morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Vanguard. For Spike, I forgot to come up with a nickname, so we're just going to go with the original Jupiter Hero Cohen. I am Matt oh, wow. Wright, and together we are traversing the muddied waters of freedom. Original Jupiter Hero. Folks, thanks so much for tuning into this uh, amazing episode of the Muddy Waters of Freedom. Be sure to share this right now. Before you do anything else, share this video right now. We want to show big tech that we still share videos even if they don't like us. Uh, we are a Muddy Waters Media production. Check us out on everything. We are on Float, float.app slash Muddy Waters Media. We're on all those other terrible social media platforms that we should all stop using. We are on all of the various uh, levels of good or bad uh, podcasting apps, including anchor.fm, which is great and we like it because they pay us. And uh, so be sure to go to anchor.fm slash muddied waters, uh, or you can check us out on Muddy Waters Media. But we are on everything. We are on whatever you're watching or listening to this on right now. And if you haven't already, like, follow, share, subscribe, whatever it's called on whatever you are watching or listening to this on. Do the action thing that take an action on the thing to make sure that you are helping our metrics. And also on YouTube, be sure to not just press subscribe, but to hit the bell. You have to hit the bell. If you yeah, do not you hit the hit bell, bell, you have to hit the bell. If you do not hit the bell, then your phone will not blow up with notifications from us. And I'd hate that. We want to be in your DMs. So hit the bell. And uh, yeah, so thank you so much for joining. Thank you guys so much. First and foremost, uh, allow me to thank Siesta Cava for the cava that I'm drinking on today's episode. Siesta Cava. Me. Siesta Cava. Allow me to thank. Allow me to thank the person, that, the people that brought me the water that I'm drinking on this episode tonight, which is you're gonna you, wait till you see who is providing us with water tonight. <laughs> Fantastic, best water that I've ever had. Frankly, it's why I'm so I'm really leading up, building this up because of how great it is. I'd like to thank Kroger for this delicious, <laughs> purified drinking water that I drink on this episode of the Muddy Water Supreme Bulavanaka. Bulavanaka. I was thinking I was parched just because I haven't had any water today. Oh, this yeah. episode, of course, is brought. This uh, yeah. episode, of course. Go ahead. <laughs> this episode, episode of course, is brought by... to you by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing waffle-related caucus in the entire, really yet, anywhere, ever. I don't, I don't, I've, I've yet to hear of any actual competition that we've had. Be sure to go to the Facebook group Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus to become an official member today. And if you want to become an official official member who has actually given us money, then go to the Muddy Waters Media Store to get your official Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus button. Go to muddywatersmedia.com and click on the old store thing on the menu, and you can see the uh, you can see the buttons right there. This episode, of course, is also brought to you by Nug of Knowledge, smokable CBD oil. Uh, Nug of Knowledge is not your average CBD supplier. Uh, they give a large amount of their proceeds uh, to help fight the harmful and destructive war on drugs. Uh, they also give a good bit of their proceeds to provide uh, CBD products to veterans and disabled people who are unable to be able to afford uh, CBD 
therapy for pain relief and, and other such issues that they're having. Uh, people that use Nug of Knowledge often report that they uh, uh, have, uh, uh, what, where's the thing? They often report that they have uh, improvement on joint pain, inflammation, overall sense of well-being, especially that for that green one, because the THC's a lot higher in that one. Uh, and so uh, if you go to nugofknowledge.com, I just realized the website's not on here. That's a mistake on my part. But if you go to nugofknowledge.com and use the checkout code SPIKE, you get 10% off. I was so focused on my checkout code, I forgot to put the website. This episode, of course, is also brought to you, and we're going to be talking more about similar governors, but this episode, of course, is always brought to you by South Carolina Governor Henry McMaster, who is and shall remain, and shall remain. a bitch. A bitch. So Matt, we have a special guest tonight. We do. We do have a special guest tonight. Um, glad to glad to be able to get him on, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Joining us right now, live from Pennsylvania, is uh, Libertarian gubernatorial candidate Joe Soloski. Joe, thanks thank so much for coming much, on, man. Gentlemen. I appreciate it, Spike. Matt, thank you very much for the invitation. No, absolutely. Well, we're, we're glad that you could take time out of your schedule to join us today. You yeah. So anytime, Joe. So anytime we have a libertarian on our show for the first time, we always ask, "What is it? Would you say that brought you to libertarianism and to the Libertarian Party? Was it kind of an aha moment, or sort of a gradual evolution over time? What 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 got you into being a libertarian?" For me, it was gradual. Um, I was a Republican for forty years, and I watched that party constantly erode and disappoint me. And when I finally hit 2016, I, I could tell their values, their principles didn't match mine in the least. And uh, I was looking for another party, a place where I could call home and feel comfortable. And the Libertarian Party and its policies, its platform fit me to a T. Uh, so it was a very easy change for me. And uh, one of the best moves I ever made. I, uh, I get to sit back now. I used to get mad at the, the Democrats or even get mad at my own republicans now i get to get mad and laugh at them both <laughs> it's a great place to operate from you could just always be right now now whatever happens you're like yep that's what i said would happen they're just all terrible yeah that's it's a free exactly. very free it's very it's very liberating not having to defend terrible candidates anymore so talk to us about what's going about, on in pennsylvania go ahead i was gonna say about how about how long ago did you make the switch about how long ago did you real did you join the libertarian like oh. realize you were a libertarian and then you joined the party? I think I uh, I was I've been pretty liberty minded all my life. I felt this way back in the eighties. Okay. I actually thought the Republican Party had some of those principles back then. But again, I watched them constantly erode. Uh, June second, twenty sixteen. That's the day. That's the day I uh, registered as libertarian. Uh, I saw that Trump was going to be the imminent. Uh, nominee, and I thought, forget it. I'm jumping off that train. And yeah. uh, best move I ever made. Best move I ever made. Well, we're glad to yeah. have you. So yeah, absolutely. We, you're, you are in uh, Pennsylvania, and obviously things must be, you, you're, you're obviously seeing some things that are very troubling for you to decide that you want to run for governor of the entire state. Talk to us about what's going on uh, w under un, in, in Pennsylvania right now that, that led you to, to want to do yeah. that. Our current Governor Wolf has been using a pretty heavy hand, especially in the last year uh, with his COVID-19 lockdowns. 
he's uh, decimated businesses. Uh, his policies have had uh, too many people have died in this state, especially in senior care, elder care homes because of their policies. Uh, these are the things that need to end. I have been trying to showcase uh, drastically reducing, curtailing the emergency powers of the governor. And amazingly, uh, our state legislature, uh, not only uh, just a few weeks ago, floated a, a a new amendment to be put on the uh, ballot as a referendum to alter our constitution and to indeed limit the governor's powers. And everything that they put in it is exactly what I've been harping on for months. So it feels pretty good to see that they're doing that. Um, other things, for example, uh, I'd love to see us eliminate our personal income tax here in this state. Just today, uh, Governor Wolf came out and said that he wants to increase the personal income tax by almost 50%. And he feels he needs that money to fund public schools. Uh, it's such an irony. Uh, in the last year, schools are closed. Uh, they've had less activity than ever. Yes, their revenues have gone down because of these lockdowns. and Everyone's revenues homes. have gone down. Pardon me? I said everyone's revenues have gone down. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they're rather than look at cost cutting, spending cuts, which we desperately need. Our our budget's gone up 75 percent in this state in less than 20 years. Uh, we don't have a revenue problem here. We've got a massive spending problem. Yeah. I never see them recommend a solution that's a spending cut and giving the taxpayers a break. They always just want more money. And they've gotten that a lot over the last 20 years from different industries. And now this. I'm sorry. Our personal income tax should be zero. Uh, one of my goals as governor is to make Pennsylvania a tax haven. I want to see Pennsylvania like Florida, like Texas, where companies want to locate here. It, and the increased employment alone is going to cause us to have more than adequate tax revenues but all at a lower rate or an elimination of rates. It's it's not that hard to understand because as I tell people, even I can understand it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so um, I live. Go, in, no, uh, go ahead, I Matt. In, go ahead. I I live in Florida, um, and you know we don't have an income tax here. Before this, I lived in Tennessee, and we didn't have an income tax. Sales tax was like ten and a half or eleven and a half percent or whatever. Um, but. Uh, you do. You see a lot of businesses try, you know, they want to relocate here to open up for the better uh, for the better taxes. Uh, but you also see that you get a bunch of people from Pennsylvania, New York, Massachusetts, who all come down. Illinois is a big one on my side, um, on my coast. And they all come down looking for the uh, lower taxes for, you know, to spend spend less money, but then they go and they vote for all of the same things that they voted for up there that they are now running from. And it's one of the, it's one of the bigger issues we have here yes. is that. And do you think that uh, Pennsylvania, should you, should you be able to pass no income tax in Pennsylvania, which I'm all for 100%, do you think that would become more of an issue for you guys with New York being right there and, you know, Rhode Island, Maine, like all of New England, basically? It's always possible. Those are the kind of things that you can't you can't predict. 
Uh, right. I, there's no framework to d- determine that. But, you know, New York's tax rates, uh, they're worse than ours. <laughs> as bad as ours are, they're worse. So if people come here over the state line because it's more attractive, you like to think that, you know, normal common sense people like us, you like to think that they're going to look at it and say, that's exactly the thing that I don't want to vote for again. I don't want that problem again. Right. But you're right. If uh, if they move in and they decide, ah, eh, we want all the freebies, it's just going to be a continually hard uh, battle to wage, and we've got to try to win it every time. Right. No, so, I agree. I am trying to picture, Joe, I'm trying to picture the average Pennsylvanian who's, as you said, everyone's revenue has gone down. They have either faced job cuts or potential uh, or, 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 or hour cuts to their hours or uh, they have had to take a you know retail job because their, their higher paying job has been furloughed. Uh, so now they're working for DoorDash uh, or something like that instead of working for like an airline or, or a company that was making them a lot more money uh, or a manufacturing job that was making them a lot more money uh, or if they had a small business probably losing it during this time or at least seeing a major reduction in revenue and then being told great news everyone we're gonna raise your income tax by roughly half the, it, it is mind-boggling to me that this is how government thinks right like this is how government thinks is is um, you know i it, it, the parallel i always use um, is imagine if you know you're you're sitting at your kitchen table and you go honey we uh, we need we need to you know uh, you know we're not making as much money as we're spending. We need to rob our neighbor and also mm-hmm. increase our debt limit on our credit cards, and 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 just unironically thinking that that's the way to fix it. Now let's talk about because I think you know I, we probably will not be breaking any new ground. Three libertarians are talking about <laughs> how much we agree on taxes, uh, but let's talk about these lockdowns. Um, I, I drew I, fl- I flew across the country last year and talked to people, uh, including in Pennsylvania, uh, about how these lockdowns go. are affecting them. But I, I, w- I want to hear from a Pennsylvanian. What has it been like having the government tell you whether or not you're essential in order to protect oh. you? It's polarizing, to say the very least. Some people actually are praising the man, saying he's looking out for us. Right. But what I see is one business after another closing permanently and their dreams dying. Uh, That's not ever a good thing. But then you look at all of the ancillary problems. We've got increased depression, increased family strife, marital strife, domestic abuse, child abuse. These are all problems that were the exact result of these horrible lockdowns. And obviously unemployment's up, benefits are up, claims are up everything has been in a bit of a tailspin and we've had to fight the governor left and right. Amazingly, um, he was uh, taken to court at one point and one of the uh, Pennsylvania courts found his lockdown measures to be unconstitutional, which I thought fantastic. It was almost following what was happening in Michigan. But then he appealed and he had another court basically back him. And he's now running roughshod over the rest of us. The state legislature has attempted to override him. They put bills on his desk to end these lockdown measures. But unfortunately, 
he has to sign them to put them into effect, and all he does is veto them. It's a yep. bad system, and that's why we need that uh, that referendum on it to amend our constitution. I agree. I agree. I think that's yeah, a, a very powerful thing. I was just. I was going to say Michigan did the same thing where the court said it was unconstitutional. And then uh, Gretchen Whitmer was just like, I don't care. I'm still I'm still doing this. She ignored it. Exactly. It's almost a perfect parallel. Yeah. She pulled in Andrew Jackson and said, I don't care what the courts say. I'm just going to do it anyway. And uh, I I love the justification that these governors use uh, where they'll say we have to do these lockdowns. The covid cases are getting worse during these lockdowns. (laughs) <laughs> I, I I've taken issue with that every step of the way. And when uh, initially, as you recall, there was limited testing due to availability. And all of a sudden there was a more testing available and up spiked the cases. And I said, well, yes, if you're going to test more, you're going to get, more, get cases, more cases, aren't you? It just <laughs> goes hand in hand. But uh, people who didn't want to hear it refused to hear it. So uh, my approach will be totally different. On my first day in office, if any of these lockdown measures are still in place, I will nullify every single one of them. And Pennsylvania is going back to work. We're going to be open again. That's good. So, that's what that's what Pennsylvania needs. Go ahead, Matt. So sw- switching gears just just slightly here, there are a bunch of comments in in the uh, chat here or in the comment section here. And they say things like, I'll read the most recent one. Uh, Once a cobra bit Joe Soloski's leg, after five days of excruciating pain, the cobra died. Um, <laughs> like, there are a bunch of these in here, and they are really funny. Like, is uh, where is this coming from? Because they're making you like a Chuck Norris of the Libertarian yeah. Party, which I'm all for. I'm all for that. I'm all for I, it. I'm just like... Every time one comes in, I'm like, don't laugh. You're paying attention to what Joe is saying here. I'm flattered and I'm also honored uh, for anyone putting those comments in there. I haven't seen them, but thank you very much. I'm truly flattered. Oh, yeah, I was, I was like, is this part of their campaign? Like, is this what they're doing? Because this is brilliant. This is great. Now now I've got to get a, a, a Chuck Norris outfit, but I'll get to work on that. <laughs> Joseph Soloski is going to celebrate winning by dribbling a bowling ball. <laughs> These are great. I love I'm voting the for idea. so someone else. Someone else said uh, uh, jo- I'm voting for Joe's beard. So you've got to vote just yeah. just just on the beard. Just based on them. It's a good beard. Yeah. It's a good beard. Uh, well, so, hey, they're back in style. So yeah, uh, kind of going kind of going back um, to what we were talking about before. I have family in uh, Pennsylvania. Um, Sadly to say, I already know they won't be voting for you because they won't vote for anybody that I would vote for. Um, Let's just say they're a fan of the lockdowns. Um, But uh, like they live in um, they live in Philadelphia and they have they've got kids who they homeschool because the private or because the public schools are too overcrowded um, and they can't afford private school. So they homeschool them. in doing so, wouldn't the 50% tax raise in order to help fund schools more, wouldn't that just cripple the people who are trying to do, who can't put their kids in schools already? 
it's certainly not going to help them. Our property exactly. taxes that already are supposed to be funding our public schools are too high. I've known people personally that have lost their homes because they can't pay their darn property taxes, even after they've paid for their homes. Right. When their homes get seized, it's a horrible situation. Now they're trying to say, let's carve out this piece of these income taxes for this. It sounds nice to a lot of people, but it's going to be a disaster. What we also desperately need is to completely overhaul education in this state. We need to overhaul the tax system that funds it. The property tax system is probably the most inequitable system I've seen in my lifetime. And just so you know, I'm a CPA by profession. Okay. I operated my own practice for 27 years in the Pittsburgh area before moving to the central part of the state outside of State College right now. Um, I'm, for the most part, retired and enjoying bringing people to the liberty movement at this stage of my life. Uh, when I look at the property tax system, it's it's horribly inequitable. It needs to be eliminated and replaced with something better. And I understand there is no fair tax system. None. I've never seen one. But we can certainly eliminate the horrific taxes, the horrific tax systems, and try to replace them with something better. But for heaven's sake, we need to be slashing spending, slashing government spending at every turn, because that's what's that's what's killing us in this state. We operate at too high of a cost and they're, they're bleeding the residents dry. Yep, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. I, I, I'm looking at some statistics here uh, on the total number per capita of covid cases since this uh, since this uh, this pandemic started. And what is amazing to me is that for virtually all the for virtually all states with a, a few outliers, almost all states are within about a 20 to 30 percent swing of the total number of cases. This is whether they've never had lockdowns at all or whether they've had very severe lockdowns or whether it's been kind of a hodgepodge in between. What really strikes me is that the rate of uh, covid cases uh, total uh, in uh, Pennsylvania is roughly 7%. The, the, roughly 7% of the population of Pennsylvania has gotten COVID, accord, according to this data, um, or has been confirmed to have gotten COVID, so it's probably higher. In South Carolina, it's roughly 8%, and we've had no lockdowns whatsoever. Uh, and we're also a hub for we're also a hub for tourism. Uh, now you may say, well, you know that difference between seven percent and eight percent proves that we need to do these lockdowns. Well, California's is also eight uh, percent, and they have had a much worse uh, situation overall with COVID. Uh, Michigan's where's Michigan? Michigan's is also uh, around six percent. They're all within each Massachusetts, which has had some of the most restrictive lockdowns around 8%. Florida, which has had, did have some lockdowns early on last summer and has had almost nothing since then, just under 8%. This is, it, there, there is no data demonstrating that making everyone stay home 
unless they go and crowd into massive retail stores a few times a week, all real close together, that that somehow is protecting us from the, the, the what appears increasingly to be a largely natural spread of a virus. Um, what, yes. what are your thoughts on this? Because we are not COVID denialists. We believe COVID's real. We believe it's a very serious thing that should be taken seriously. We just think that these lockdowns, telling everyone stay home until further notice, is not a serious way to long-term address a pandemic. What are your thoughts on that? My thoughts are identical. I've said all along, it's a real virus. It's a real illness. It, it has big complications, but so do a lot of other things that we've never locked down for. And uh, we could start to make a list of those things very, very easily. I feel the lockdown measures, as far as controlling the spread of the virus, are mostly ineffective. And I know that I can take every possible, every possible caution. I could literally lock myself in my basement and I could still get COVID. That doesn't make me immune. It's not going away. We have to deal with it as best we can. But you know what? We've got to live our lives. We're not meant to live in fear. And when, again, when I mentioned the ancillary problems of depression, suicides are up, marital strife, family strife, abuse, those things I'm willing to bet are far worse on people than the illness itself. So I'm in total agreement with you. And if I was governor tomorrow, everything here in Pennsylvania, when it comes to these lockdown measures, would change overnight. Well, well, that's what we're trying to work on. One more, two more bits of data, because I, I, I have the benefit here of sitting here and looking at my, uh, at my computer, being able to pull out some stuff. Uh, going back to the statewide data, North and South Dakota have very similar populations. North Dakota has been a lot more restrictive in the way that they have dealt with COVID-19. They haven't had full lockdowns, but they've had a lot more uh, mandates and, and, and limitations on uh, gathering sizes and things like that. Whereas South Dakota has largely said, here's the information, do what you will with it. North right. Dakota's rate of spread of, of uh, COVID is actually slightly higher than South Dakota's. Wow. And here's another... And here's another. And when you here's point an, out, when you, I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. When you point out those two states, I think it's only right. Cr give credit where it's credit do, where credit's due. We've been talking about governors. Mm -hmm. Governor Christy Nome has done a great job in South Dakota, leaving her state open, leaving yes. decisions to her residents, and not trying to heavy hand them. I admire her for that, and more governors should be following her lead and trying to emulate her. And and now to be to be clear, there are they do have both states have a higher rate. It's almost as though it didn't really matter whether they had lockdowns or not. And they were just possibly because of their low populations and the fact that some of their populations are very heavily centralized into a, a handful of very small, tight knit communities would lead for them to have uh, to have more rate of lockdown or maybe some other factor. Um, I'm trying to find this data that came up recently uh, for the people that say, but what if it could save lives? Well, we know that according to uh, a, a study from the I'm pulling up their name. Uh, according to a study from uh, authors in Duke University, Harvard Medical School, and Johns Hopkins University, which, you know, these are well-known uh, 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 wingnut groups of science deniers, uh, they, uh, they said that they are estimating that 
1.37 million more people will have died from the, as you call it, the ancillary effects of, they said the pandemic, but let's be clear, it's from the lockdowns. 1.37 million more people will die than from the actual virus itself over the course of the next uh, either 10 or 20 years. This is a long-term thing, Joe, and a lot of people don't talk about this. The fact that when a uh, when you disrupt a community by putting most of the people there out of work for a year plus, there are health and safety and wellness and crime and all sorts of other effects that last not just then, but for several years later. And I'm just so... Happy to hear that you are talking about this. I, I, as you're talking, I'm already envisioning how I'm going to be able to go to Pennsylvania to help you campaign, and uh, I, it's it's a great it's a great excuse to go back there. I had a great time there when I was doing the ballot access petitions, and uh, I, I can't wait to come back and help you, Joe. Before we let you go, because you, you've been a fantastic guest, and thank you so much for coming. We want to give you a chance to plug your campaign. How can people help you? If, they, if they're inspired by what they hear, if they want to watch you dribble that, 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 uh, uh, dribble that bowling ball, how, how can they help you? Where, where, can, where can they find you and what can they do to help? Let, let's, let's not forget the Cobra wrestling, too, yes. now. Well, of course. Yes. The Cobra wrestling of course. while dribbling Who can a forget? ball. <laughs> well, my, my website is joesoloski.com. That's J-O-E. S-O-L-O-S-K-I, JoeSoloski.com. Yes, I'm on Facebook, Joseph P. Soloski for governor. And yes, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. My media people, they're the ones dribbling circles around me as far as getting our message out there. They're doing a phenomenal job. But uh, your first spot to uh, stop to check me out is JoeSoloski.com. You can donate there. You can check out the issues I'm running on. Email me, please. I'll get back to you. I'll talk to you, answer your questions. I want you to be an informed voter, and I really do want to earn your vote. Gentlemen, yeah. I can't thank you enough. Real real quick, Joe, before you go, uh, you said that you're, yeah. uh, that you're basically retired, but you were a CPA? Yes, all my life. Are you sure you weren't a DJ? <laughs> well, I don't know, Matt. Let me see. <laughs> around. It, it's been a dream. It's been a dream since I was 15, and uh, if I ever get you have a great like you have a great speaking voice, and it sounds like you would be somebody like let's you know like a voiceover artist or something with with all the hits from the 80s. Like, let let me offer this to you: if you ever need some voiceover, I'll make myself available to you. I yeah, we definitely appreciate you will be hearing from us because we absolutely do need that. Hey, Joe. Thank you so much, everyone. JoeSoloski.com. J-O-E-S-O-L-O-S-K-I.com. I, I'm not as good as him. But uh, JoeSoloski.com. If you live in or anywhere near Pennsylvania, you actually want to get out there and help him physically, be sure to get in touch with Joe. I'm sure there's all sorts of fun stuff that they can have you doing. If you're able to help online to share the message for Joe Soloski, JoeSoloski.com. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, gentlemen. I truly appreciate it. Appreciate you coming hey, thank on. Thank you. And folks, so we're going to be doing a brief intermission and uh, and we will be right back. But on our intermission, we've got some uh, very exciting news about an upcoming re-edition to Muddied Waters Media. But we'll be back in just a couple minutes. I am. I am. I am swinging from 
a seven-story window Throwing parties in a ten-by-seven cell It's a standing the legs I'll go To convince the whole damn world I don't need anybody's help Yeah, I am waving while I drown Don't bother swimming out to save me I'll only drag you down I'll try to use your body as a life raft Cause if there's room enough for one There must be room enough for two I'll sail the good ship you into the sunset Sipping on savory water Till my liver turns blue Folks, welcome back. It is me. It's still us. It's just the same. It's just me and Matt. Uh, and, uh, so, yes, the writer's block, the original spinoff to Muddy, The Muddy Waters of Freedom, starring this guy over here, guy on That's left, right. Matt Wright, will be I, back. I be guy in center and guy on left there. Guy on entire screen. On the writer's block, uh, Matt, tell, tell us a little bit about the writer's block for, for folks that are newer to, to Muddy Waters Media and, and haven't seen so, it before. Tell us. About- okay, so this is weird. I could not see uh, the video through the entire, for, like, through the Soloski part, and I had my hair is sticking up. I- <laughs> okay, that's better. Um, I thought you so, wanted it that way. I would have said no, so. No, I, I, yeah, no, I just couldn't see myself. Um, uh, so the writer's block was the original spinoff of muddied waters of freedom um uh and i think you had the second show that was ever part of muddied waters media and then i had the spinoff um and it is a long form interview show where i bring on libertarians and we kind of talk about how they got into libertarianism what projects they're working on what things uh that the people in the libertarian party can do to help um and Occasionally, I just bring people on and we talk about music, movies, TV, whatever. Um, but uh, just for a way for libertarians to spread what they're passionate about, what projects they're working on. Um, so if you know of anybody who wants to be on Muddied Waters Media, send us an email because Facebook doesn't let me use the app anymore. 
Um, so send us an email. For some reason, you you're, you can use the the you can use the the uh, uh, the you can use everything else. You can literally use the browser. You can you just can't use your app. Yeah. Um, so send us an email because I'm not going through the browser. That thing is awful. Uh, muddiedwatersmedia at gmail.com uh, and send all requests to come on to the writer's block with me, guy on left, Matt right there. Um, but yeah, we are going to be launching that in a couple more weeks. Uh, I saw a couple people in the comments uh, earlier say that I have a new background. Yes, I do. Yes. Me and Superfam. I guess super fan Sarah Andreg and I uh, moved into a new place over the weekend. Um, and because she has like crazy Jew power, um, she got everything moved in, unpacked, all the garbage is gone. It looks like we have lived here for months. That's Jew power. That's Jew power. Um, but yeah, so I have this new background. Uh, there's another part that's up there, but you can't see it because I did not think about where the camera would be when I put that on the wall. Yeah, there's a gun. There is. There is a gun. There, there's, there's a, a gun right there. From like 1875. So and just imagine who the gun. Know, this is an exact replica of the Declaration of Independence. And a gun. But all and they see is the calendar of me without a shirt on. Right. Well, yeah. I've always got Spike over my shoulder. Looking over you. So we got a, uh, you know, we, we've got a lot. So uh, Joe Soloski, very, very popular guest. People are real excited about that. By the yeah. way, you got a shout out. Uh, Sean said that when your hair is messy, but looks like it, it's supposed to be that way. You're actually doing it right. That was the thing. I couldn't tell. I'm like, is that, I think he's doing a thing. So I just let it, I was like, I all right, well, you know. And then, and frankly, it was one time that my hair wasn't the worst. So I also took that too. <laughs> so speaking of the worst, we are starting now with our, uh, our our fun interlude, which is the Black Cold Brewed Organic Cold Brew Caffeinated Rapid Fire segment brought to you by Black Brew, spelled B-L-V-C-K, because nothing means anything anymore and we just spell things however the hell we want. Uh, be sure to go to blackbrews.com, B-L-V-C-K-Brews.com, and use code MW for free shipping and speaking of free shipping there's a free we facebook is about to ship you off their platform for free permanently well they already did that to me so right yeah but for free uh, but for free it didn't cost me a just dime. use code mw and they'll definitely do it right um, so yeah, Facebook announced a new set of terms of services that they're planning on launching soon. Um, and they will permanently be stopping the proact uh, the proactive recommend recommendations of political groups to users. So that means that's weird. Um, so that means that if you wait, what the hell just happened? I don't know. That means that if you aren't already a member of the Muddied Waters group on Facebook, unless somebody invites you, Facebook will not let it. you know. Thanks. Uh, will not let you know that it exists. So, go and join the Muddied Waters group on Facebook. Yeah. There's also one on MeWe. Um, <laughs> so this actually came from uh, from. Uh, 
So it, 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 this happened in phases. The, they've been, uh, Facebook has been catching a lot of flack um, and from both the left and from really both sides, but mostly from the left, uh, because uh, the, uh, it's been alleged that, you know, the main platform that was used uh, for people to uh, organize the Capitol riots uh, was on Facebook, even though most of them were heavily using Gab and Parler and MeWe and a bunch of other ones. More importantly, there's been more and more, wait for it, government scrutiny, where the government has been threatening to get involved. And this is something that is often left out of the equation, is the carrot and stick approach that government uses with really everyone, but in this case, social media outlets. So they threaten them, well, no, that would be the carrot. They threaten them with the stick of, you know, we may have to tighten up the regulations and hold you responsible for things that people say on your social media platform. And then they put out the carrot of, well, if you uh, get involved in this content moderation trust that we've set up through, uh, you know, through uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the the North Atlantic Partnership, uh, then you can, you know, you can continue to be dominant in your field, or we could regulate you. And then this puts this puts the social media groups, which they're fine with being regulated as long as it ensures that they're the the, the primary social media that people are using. That puts them in the position of going, okay, fine. You, 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 you know, you, you push my hand. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and, and, and heavily regulate. You know what we're allowing, and we're gonna make political right. content less and less accessible. Uh, um, Mark Zuckerberg actually said uh, in an interview, people don't want to see political content. Well, if that were true, then you wouldn't have to do anything. Right. You wouldn't if- have to suppress political content if people didn't want to see it. From, from my experience in Facebook, um, which has been for quite some time, um, on and off, uh, because of Mark Zuckerberg, uh, but yes. from my experience, whatever you are into, that's what you see the most of. Like once they started doing, yep. once they got rid of real time comments on the newsfeed and they made it, oh, these are the things we think you want to see. Once mm-hmm. they did that, it was, they were they were collecting your data and making an algorithm of what it is that you, um, on what it is that, uh, you Sarah, Sarah's like in the other room and she's texting me to make sure I'm okay because that's how Jewish she is. Are you okay? Um, but, um, be, because they started collecting your data and putting it into an algorithm. And then the things that you would like, or the things that you would stop on for a second, you didn't even have to like it. They started showing you that kind of stuff more. And the yep. fact that people continue to see more and more political stuff means that was the stuff that they were interested in. So Mark Zuckerberg saying this makes no sense because it was his own algorithm that figured that out. Right. And right. that's the, yeah. That's the problem is that Mm -hmm. they're also not sussing out and explaining what they're using. They're just saying, oh, well, our data shows us that people don't like this. Well, if people didn't, again, if people didn't like it, you wouldn't be, this is like when they say, well, we have to increase these lockdowns because the COVID cases are rising during our lockdowns. Well, we have to, uh, you know, we have to suppress political content. 
people don't want to see it, then they keep doing it, but they now, don't want to. Now, like Facebook hasn't defined what will be political or a political group in their minds and not. So will they pretend like, cause this is all leading to getting rid of them. That is the end goal. Yeah. I think, um, yeah. So, you know, will they, they'll get rid of the libertarian groups first. So the muddied waters group will probably go away at some point. I hope it doesn't. Um, we've put a lot of work into it, but yeah, I hope so. It, too. Yeah. At some point it will probably go away. Now, does that mean that uh, AOC's campaign team will lose their group? Or does that mean that Donald Trump's reelection team will lose their group? Well, yeah, no, that one will happen. They already did. Uh, yeah. Yeah. They already did. Um, so what will they be defining as political? Will they be defining religious groups as political? Will they be defining gun groups as political? Will they, yep. And until they come out with a definition on what's political and what's not political, nobody really knows. And they can just start banning groups straight down the board, or at least not sharing them and t- telling people that these groups are here. Yeah. And it, well, and which is a big, which is a big, and especially if they're, if certain types of politics, they're saying, yes, we're going to show that to you, but then other ones, they say no, then that's a, that's sort of a, a deep, a, a, a lack of platforming that's happening there. Um, right. The other part of that is we're starting to hear more and more of this term domestic extremism because domestic terrorism didn't quite ring true. Right. It's hard to say when someone says, I think we shouldn't have any taxes or lockdowns to say you're a terrorist. That's a bit much. But you're an extremist. That's a lot more subjective. We really don't have a defined term. If you you might think that's extreme, you might think it's not extreme. I think it's extreme to say we should rob everyone. Uh, so, no, I but but. That f- expect to see more and more of that, where they'll say, well, we're going to allow political speech, just not domestic extremist political speech, you know, like being against common sense gun control or common sense taxation policy or, you know, a fair distribution of, uh, of, of, of assets and resources to those who need it the most. All of this is they're going to say, well, we're not, you know, we're not suppressing politics. We're just suppressing extremism. And of course, they will define extremism as a very, very narrow range of mm, probably centerist, centrist, center left, center rightish politics. And anything outside of that is extremism. And if you're on the far left, yeah, you're next. Actually, it's already happening to you. So, you know, if, if you're one of these people that's, you know, saying we need to oppose Joe Biden because he's a racist and he's not going to do what we want and we need to seize the means of production. Yeah, no, the, you're not going to be allowed to say that. Like that's that's all you're allowed going to, say to seize the means of production, but everything before that. No, like only unironically. Going, yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, if if you uh, or only ironically, if you want to remind people that. uh you know, Joe Biden wrote the 1994 crime bill. He was the one that wrote the bill that made it. Uh, so you can't claim your uh, student loans on on your bankruptcies. Brain's not working yet. Uh, on your bankruptcies, uh, talked about racial jungles and that Kamala Harris literally had men put to death to help her uh, court records. If you say those things on Facebook, you're not going to be allowed there. 
Oh, yeah. No, that's extremism. Mentioning that Kamala Harris uh, put two men on death row and tried to have them killed, even though she had evidence that they didn't do their crime. That's definitely extremism. Now, her doing that, that's not extremism. Her You saying she did that is, you definitely can't that's do extremism. that. So that, that'll, right. that'll be fun. Now, we got a, we got a donation from uh, Joe Makes Drifts. Uh, oh, Joe Makes Drifts. Huh? Uh, for for five dollars, thank you so much, Joe. And he asked, uh, any thoughts on HR one twenty seven? And I I actually do have some thoughts on HR one twenty seven. Um, I'm going to be posting about hey, it tomorrow on on go go ahead. We have a question about that later. Oh, in the Chris Reynolds section. Oh, okay. Stay tuned, Cause Joe, because we're going to be. I had to screen all of them. Okay. <laughs> Yes. Uh, so uh, so we will we will actually be addressing that later. Uh, right. Speaking of addressing things late. Nancy Pelosi uh, technically didn't do anything illegal, uh, but she did do something that was completely unethical, Matt. Yep. Uh, her husband, Paul, um, which, by the way, that dude looks like like he looks like a Paul. When I looked at him, like I, I Googled him and I went, yeah, that's a Paul. Like there is no, he I'm was gonna, born gonna, and they, I'm going to pull up a picture of Paul Pelosi, Paul Pelosi. Um, her husband, Paul bought up to $1 million of Tesla stock when the price was $640 and 34 cents by last Thursday, it was $838 a share, which is roughly, I'm not great at math, a 33% increase, 35% increase, um, somewhere right in there. Um, it went up right after Biden released a plan to make the federal auto fleet, which is more than 645,000 cars, all electric. Oh, that's a Paul. Yeah, that's a Paul. That dude is a Paul. So he did some insider trading. Go ahead. Sorry, Matt. Didn't mean to. Yeah. yeah. So he did some insider trading. Um, So Paul and Nancy made 25 stock market maneuvers, uh, which are called call options that will allow Mrs. Pelosi, Nancy, to buy Tesla at $500 a share until March of 2022. Wow. It's currently worth $838. There's no reason to think it will not continue to grow steadily because of the spaces that uh, that Elon Musk and Tesla and his uh, his umbrella of companies is under, which are largely electric vehicles, uh, electric home uh, uh, at home, electric uh, uh, like solar panels and things like that. So renewables and space travel. Commercial yeah. space travel and space uh, equipment delivery, which are all three of the fastest growing sectors in the economy. And she's going to be able to buy it at $500 a share for two more which years, which is slightly more than half what it's worth now. Right. For more than an, an, for, for an entire for another year and two months. Yes. One year, two months. And two she months. is actively affecting legislation that will make sure that Tesla makes a lot of money. Amazing. Yes. Um, her spokesman said in a comment that her husband, not the speaker, made the Tesla bets and the speaker's political relationships were irrelevant. Certainly these two never talk. Yeah, they either never talk or don't live anywhere in the same vicinity of each other. 
and don't use cell phones or the internet. And aren't standing near each other right now. Right right now, right. Right in this very, very photo. There's no way, wow. That's, now, what's incredible is that this is actually not illegal. Now, Liz Warren, Wall Street Warren, uh, who recently introduced a bill that would ban stock market trading by Congress members, did not, she was oddly unavailable for comment about this. <laughs> yeah, weirdly, because weirdly. So we all remember uh, at the beginning of COVID, um, the, oh God, what was her name? The Senate, the, the former Senator from Georgia that just lost. Loeffler, Kelly Loeffler. Kelly Loeffler. Kelly Loeffler got into the heat along with some others um, for making a bunch of stock market trades right before uh, COVID came over and the pan, like the pandemic hit. Um, and that was when Elizabeth Warren decided that she needed to put this bill in that, you know, members of Congress can't do this. Odd that now that it is Nancy Pelosi, she is silent. I have no, I can't see what the pattern is there, why she wouldn't do it. That just seems really, really weird. And I don't understand. Now, some of you might be saying, hey, that sounds oddly like stock manipulation. Is there any other stock manipulation that's gone on that you'd like to talk about? Yes, we'll be talking about that. Uh, we'll actually be closing the show with that. So after the Chris Reynolds segment, we will be uh, doing, uh, doing, talking about the game stock cost controversy that's been going on. Speaking of just there is no funny is segue no. to this no, so we talked no about segue. we have talked about uh the fact that the united states government has given burma 135 million dollars in financial incentives to the government of burma to stop ethnic cleansing uh and to stop um and to stop uh violence gender-based violence. Uh, now, they did this even though the government of Burma is largely run by the military with a very weak uh, figurehead head of state uh, who has little to no power to actually do anything, uh, who is a woman. Uh, so they gave this money to the Burmese government, who responded, oddly enough, uh, by committing an ethnic cleansing against the Curran villages. That's a, a, an ethnic group in, um, in uh, Burma, in Myanmar. Uh, and, uh, villages and uh, over 4,000 people have been displaced. Uh, they also followed up by demonstrating their commitment to ending gender-based violence by arresting uh, their female prime minister uh, after she defeated uh, the their pick, the military pick, uh, the commander-in-chief of the military for the prime ministerial position with 90-plus percent of the popular vote. Right. She was arrested on charges of voter fraud. Now, I know... Donald Trump is definitely somewhere taking notes, Matt. He, he is definitely he is definitely out there because so the the uh, commander in chief of the military um, he ran he he ran to be the uh, prime minister or whatever they call it there, um, right. and he lost massively yeah to yeah. the former prime minister um and we i did not put her name in here because I don't know how to pronounce it and I'm tired of stumbling over the names. Um, but she has like five names. Um, but so she won with like 90, 90 plus percent of the popular vote. It was like a 93, uh, 93% margin or something. Um, so the commander in chief of the military said, well, this is obviously voter fraud. It's not, this isn't like 
okay, there were a few thousand votes in Georgia and a few thousand votes in Pennsylvania. This was 93% of the popular vote. No, yeah. this is obviously voter fraud. So he arrested members of their parliament who are all on her party's side and her and just essentially took over the took over uh, the country and appointed himself to be the new leader of the country, as well as commander in chief of the military. Many people think that because in uh, Mir- in uh, Miramar, um, in Miramar, that M- my, my it. no, it's Miramar. Miramar? It's Miramar. I I spoke with somebody last night for an hour, and he let me know that the correct pronunciation is Miramar, and everybody that says Myanmar is wrong. Um, yeah, he's he's like every time I'm watching CNN and somebody says Myanmar, I get annoyed because it's Miramar. Um, Here's here's how they say uh, this name, by the way. On Sun Suchi. Okay. On Sun Suchi. Yeah, if you look at the last comment that came in from Facebook, uh Myanmar. 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 On Sun Suchi, the Prime Minister well, former Prime Minister. Former Prime Myanmar, Minister. The recently de- former Prime Minister. So this is so, so uh <laughs> they have a sorry, they have a mandatory uh retirement age in the military over there of 65 which the commander-in-chief happens to be turning 65 but they don't have that for the prime minister prime minister office yeah so by him doing like a lot of people think that he did this so he wouldn't have to retire and he'd still be able to rule over the military he got seven percent of the vote well he got less than seven percent there might have been other candidates but he got Imagine if Joe and I, after the election, declared that Trump and Biden were frauds and used the military to depose everyone and take over. That's kind of what just happened in Myanmar. Oddly enough, we didn't get $135 million to do that, but this uh, foreign uh, military dictatorship did. Now, Joe Biden, thankfully, Joe Biden uh, made a very strong statement against uh, this and promised to take serious action uh, against this military dictatorship and the coup that they've implemented. And I had a nurse at, at uh, nurses at uh, Walter Reed Hospital who would oh, bend God. down and whisper in my ear. Wow. And go oh, home God. and get me pillows. They would make sure they'd actually, probably nothing ever taught in, uh, you can't do it in the COVID time, but they'd actually breathe in my nostrils to make me move, oh, to get, get me moving. Powerful. Uh one powerful very stuff. Uh, powerful stuff from ver- Joe Biden. Big stuff from Joe Biden there. Big power moves being made by the, the new alpha president. Uh, one action he could have taken was to not give $135 million to a military dictatorship that was actively engaging in ethnic cleansing and genocide against their own people. But now... But now he's, the, he's, he's going to take action against those responsible. As, and then when pressed on it, Jin Saki said, "We're going to circle back." Um, 
said, so, she said, so, ask my brother. More on that. More on that. So Jen Psaki's not in our notes, but has everybody here gotten a chance to watch some of the White House press briefings? I watched her say I'm going to I watched a super cut of her saying she was going to circle back. Yeah, she so I watched one in its entirety one day. And you know how you have those people. uh, Bill Clinton is like the best example of this, um, where you would ask him a question and he wouldn't answer it, but you felt satisfied with what he said. You have those people that have that skill. She does not have that skill. She (laughs) has that. She has the, I'm not going to answer your question skill, but not that other part. But not the satisfaction part. Right. Not that other part that's really, really important uh, when you want to do that because she is awful at that. So what we're going to do is we're going to circle back to that and I'm going to uh, confer with that department. And once I get an answer, uh, I'll come back here and I'll give you uh, an update, although we don't know when that update is going to come. So once we get back to it, uh, and if you can remind, it's just like, say anything, say a word. It was like when the uh, Joe Biden mask, I think it was because of the Joe Biden mask fiasco from. Oh, like, gosh. Yeah. I think that after that, she was like, don't say anything. Don't ever speak a real word. Because for anybody who doesn't know, Joe Biden signed an executive order saying that masks were mandatory on all federal property and then was later seen without a mask at the Lincoln Memorial. Well, yeah, one of the I think Lincoln Memorial. I think it was Lincoln. On it federal was, property with a bunch of people who also weren't wearing masks all well within six feet of each other hours after went, signing it. Just ah. And when asked about it, she said, I think that we have bigger issues to deal with than that. Like COVID. Like, yeah, COVID or, uh, well, that seemed to be the biggest issue for the last year. So potentially, either you are now downplaying it because it's not supposed to be played up as much as you've been doing it, or you have no logical answer for us. Yeah. What, what, what is she going to say to that? Yes. Uh, he thinks his law, his own law can be ignored uh, and he can make his own decisions as to what is or is not safe. That would be one, which I agree. With. Yeah. Uh, uh, another one would be uh, he does not take this seriously um, and thinks this is all security theater. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, he's it. a massive, massive hypocrite. Yeah. Uh, also, um, he thinks you're stupid. Um, and, uh, or he doesn't know where or who he is often. Right. Would yeah. be a, he didn't, all, all of these would be accurate. Not answers. know where or who he is. He also had no clue what happened to his mask and nobody wanted him to feel bad. So they all took theirs off. I would have believed that. <laughs> What's going on? What's going on? Well, you're not wearing a mask. What, what? A mask? Come on, man. Come on, man. All right, fine. We'll we'll just take the mask off. You know, I've said many times. You know, during this time of social distancing, uh, everyone has wanted to stay away from Joe Biden at least six feet for years now, and I just feel terrible that he now has to often reciprocate. I love that joke. Uh, now, speaking of reciprocating, sure. Uh, this now we are going to the segment, one of my favorite segments, and probably yours too, which is, well, in fact, a few of you really like it, uh, which is the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor call-in moment. I, I want Joe Soloski to be the one 
to do the, the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor, call-in moment. He was good, man. He was good. So I'm going to ask him to read that uh, and send us an audio of it so we can put we'll that just use that. that just yeah. every single time. And I'm also going to ask him to say, and and now uh, Matt Wright and Spike Cohen, like, and put it into the video. And now the muddied waters of freedom with your host, Matt Wright and yep. Spike Cohen. For how That's it is. right. He's good. He's pretty being a CPA. Well, I've got some bad news about your taxes, but I do think that we've found a legal loophole. But don't worry, Color 10 right now will get no taxes for the rest of their lives. Color 10? Yes. Actually, that'd be pretty cool. I want to be Color 10. Um, I, I, I would really want to be Color 10. So we've got a few here, and we're just going to go ahead and get started. By the way, for those who don't know, personal injury, the person. Personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. That's not how you get that to come up. The personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, anchor call-in moment is where you can go to anchor.fm slash muddied waters and press the leave a message button and you can leave us voice messages and questions and we will answer them right now. Now, right next to that, you can also make a donation of money to us to put our pockets. Now, you don't have to make a donation for us to uh, answer your question, but we will like you more. So, let's get started with the first one here from Alex Boyer. Hello, hello. Alex from Virginia calling in on the Chris Reynolds personal injury attorney, attorney law anchor calling. Why? Can, can you hear that? I can. It sounds like it's coming through but your computer, though. Why is that coming through my computer? I don't know. So, hey, Matt, tell them that story that you think is real funny while I figure this out. Oh, yes, that story that I think is real funny. That story. Uh, so let me, tell story. Y'all, let, let me tell you all about the time that I ended up on stage with the Rolling Stones. Um, so I was living in Tennessee, right? And uh, while I was working at this Italian restaurant uh, called Mafiosos, it's on 12 South in, uh, in Tennessee, uh, or in Nashville, Tennessee, uh, I became friends with this guy named Jesse. He and I were really close. Like we, you know, went out drinking a bunch. Obviously, I don't drink anymore, as we talk about often on the show. Um, but we uh, we became really close. We hung out a whole bunch. One day, he comes up to me and he says, "Hey, uh, I need a favor." And I said, well, "Yeah, what is it?" And he goes, "Can you help?" Uh, Alex my- from Virginia. No, go ahead. Now tell your story. Man, that's a long story. I didn't know how long it was going to take you. Okay. Ha <laughs> funny. Matt, right? I know. That's that's like the funniest thing. So here's our first uh here's our first uh here's our first question. Yeah, calling in on the Chris Rounds personal injury attorney, attorney in law anchor call in moment. I have a question today for you guys regarding United States v. Sprague, a nineteen thirty one Supreme <laughs> Court case. One of the decisions that the court came to was that the 10th Amendment did not add anything to the Constitution, and it, quote, has no limited special operation as is contended. I was wondering what you two think about that and whether 
or not that may have been an abuse of power by the Supreme Court and the federal government. Thank you. I'm reading this right now. So, so uh, it was. I uh, actually, uh, I actually spoke with a personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, earlier today. Oh, okay, good. Um, now he summed up uh, U.S. versus Sprague as defen- defendants were convicted under prohibition found in the 18th Amendment. They argued yeah. that the 18th Amendment wasn't properly ratified. The question is whether the 18th Amendment was properly ratified and made part of the Constitution. Amendments can be ratified pursuant to Article 5, either by three quarters of Congress or three quarters of the state conventions. If the proposed amendment affects the personal liberty of citizens, then it can only be ratified by the state constitutional constitutional conventions and not the legislatures according to Article 5. So in other words, can Congress amend the Constitution when the amendment affects the personal liberty of citizens, or should this be only permitted by the people at state conventions? And the court said it can be done by Congress. It it doesn't have to be. Yes. So they determined that Article 5 gave Congress the power to decide whether any proposed amendment to the Constitution can be ratified by the legislature or by the state conventions. So the court held that the 18th Amendment was properly ratified because Congress said it was okay for the 18th Amendment to be ratified by the legislature. Um, So basically the, the Congress said that the Congress could do it. Yes. Now. Nice. Personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds, attorney at law, said. Uh, This reads as a terrible decision. The purpose of Article 5 is to make sure that only people can agree to amend the Constitution if it affects personal liberties, but the court essentially allowed Congress to amend the Constitution in a way that affected personal freedoms without consent of the people, and the reasoning seems very dubious to Chris. Um, This was an example of an activist court essentially legislating from the bench, and I have to say I agree with my attorney. Yeah, the the courts went took Article Five and went. Yeah, that would mean a lot of these amendments aren't any good. So no. Now, thankfully, Congress has moved past such uh, something as ridiculous as as modifying the Constitution. Now they just create a a uh, regulatory agency and let them uh, legislate effectively through regulations at the executive level. So we're we're well past that. So uh, thank you for that question, uh, Alex. And uh, next one is from Will McElveen. Will McElveen here with Corn Pop, my best friend riding shotgun. I was just curious, what do y'all think about this bill being introduced by the Democratic Texan for gun legislation? I read through it, and it's quite ridiculous if you have to actually put a word on it. Um, Yeah. Just curious what y'all's thoughts are on that. I can't remember the exact number of the law, but I did share it on Facebook, I believe, last night. Um, curious as to y'all's thoughts on that. I think it's bullshit, but that's, you know, that's a Southern guy who loves his guns. Of course, I don't have any because I lost them all in the great boating accident of 2012. Sad, we all did. The I, of I remember lake. seeing you there. Terrible thing. I remember. Thanks. It was, it was a Love y'all. Hashtag guy on phone. It was a terrible, terrible time. Matt, do you have any thoughts on this? Because I have a lot. Yeah, I've got. So uh, it's uh, Bill H.R. 147. 
I believe. One, one two seven. HR one twenty seven. Yeah. One two seven. Um, so HR one two seven. Basically, what they're saying is that uh, you have, th- if this bill were to pass, um, all gun owners have three months to register all of their firearms with the ATF. Not only that, if anybody wants to purchase a new gun, I'm not sure if it if it goes to people who already own guns, but you have to apply for a permission slip to buy guns. And in order to get that permission slip, you have to go through a psychological eval from a psychologist that is approved by the attorney general of the United States. The psychological eval, they will be questioning your spouse or significant other. They'll be questioning uh, two family members and then two people that are like on your periphery. Um, when they when you register all of your weapons, they will be uh, putting them into a uh, register that anybody can look at. Now, when I was talking to one of my buddies about this yesterday, he said, I'm worried that if I registered and somebody saw that I have a really rare weapon that you can't really find anymore, somebody would try to go and steal it. That's not yeah. the thing. I'm mo- That's not what I'm most concerned about, though. I do agree that would happen. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What I'm most what I'm most concerned about is if you, Spike Cohen, make your neighbor upset and they go on there and they're like, oh, I wonder what weapon Spike Cohen has. And then they call the police and say that you're a danger. And then you get, I don't know if you have red flag laws there, um, but then you no, get red. Fl- yeah, we do. It no, here but, but even without red flag laws, you could call and say, uh, Spike Cohen just pointed his hot pink SKS. At me, my, and I'm scared. With, Help! And hang up, and then and then the right. police come and and you know shoot at my house. Like that's that's you know, and 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 sadly again, well, Will was there. I lost my hot pink SKS in the uh, right the thing in but, in yeah. the boating accident, right? Yeah, in the great boating yeah. accident of 2019 or whatever. Um, oh, and by the way, uh, if in order, you know, uh, what do you want to bet that the uh, psychiatrists who are more lenient and reasonable? in their assessments about whether someone should or should not have a gun, don't get approved by the attorney general. And how long is that going to take? So not only that, but should you not comply with the three-month rule or you don't comply with getting the psychological eval or whatever, it is an $800 fine every year. So... You, I'm pretty certain that they're not giving away these psychological evals. You got to pay for that. Plus, you have to yeah. pay for your permission slip to buy guns. Plus, you got to pay taxes on all of the guns that you already have. Yep. You're going to have to pay the fines for all of those. And then, if you don't do any of these things, you're going to get with, hit with an $800 fine. This is classist because they are making sure that people in lower income. Uh, lower yeah. income neighborhoods do not purchase weapons. You here are my I, racist. And here's and here's <laughs> why we can also call it racist. As we know, the original gun laws in this country were first written to to stop 
pretty much freed slaves from owning weapons to protect themselves against the Klan and people who were lynching them actively on a regular basis. And uh, every single gun law since, like most other laws, are wildly disproportionately enforced against people of color as well as the poor and immigrants and gender and sexual minorities and so forth. A black person is uh, somewhat less likely than a white person to own a firearm, and they are seven times more likely to be convicted of a gun crime. And when I say a gun crime, I mean owning a gun. I don't mean, uh, you know, uh, uh, using a gun in the furtherance of a crime. I mean just owning it to begin with. Uh, So this would be, if H.R. 127 passes, uh, it would become the single biggest act of gun control in American history. Uh, It would absolutely be heavily enforced against those, just like all other laws are, those with the least ability to defend themselves in court, the poor minorities, pretty much. Uh, it would also make things much worse in marginalized and poorer communities because now pretty much only the police and criminals can have guns. The police because none, none of this affects them and criminals because they don't care what the rules are. And poor people who could absolutely not afford all the costs built into this, uh, the licensing, the insurance you have to carry and everything else will not uh, be able to afford a weapon, so they'll either have to become a criminal by owning one and risk going to jail, and you're about to find out for how long, risk going to jail, uh, or end up just not owning a gun and being uh, at the mercy of the police and criminals. Um, here's a few things. I, I, I wrote some notes here. Uh, it does require all federal gun owners to get a federal gun license, and this is retroactive. You are not grandfathered in. It doesn't matter who you are, okay. unless you work for the government. Uh, gun licenses are incredibly expensive, so ownership is much less accessible for those who actually need protection the most. The less likely you are to be able to afford protection, uh, the more likely you are or to afford someone else protecting you, the more likely you are not able to afford uh, now being able to uh, legally own a weapon. There is an $800 annual insurance plan. It's absolutely going to go up every year. All government insurance plans start here and go up. But even at $800, that's still a massive barrier for poor people to be able to defend themselves. This is before we get into the cost of the weapons themselves. Uh, now, it heavily discriminates. Go ahead. Real quick before you, uh, somebody in the comments, uh, Missy Purnell, there it is, uh, said, what about Second Amendment sanctuary states? Now, this will no. be enforced by the ATF, which mm. this isn't going to be being enforced by local law enforcement. It will in some states, but in the states that are Second Amendment uh, sanctuary states or sanctuary cities, yep. local law enforcement won't enforce it. The ATF it is just means they won't participate. Yeah, and 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 if something this big passes, Department of Homeland Security money uh, going to the states and cities will absolutely be tied to uh, supporting and enforcing this. This will be their new baby, and uh, it will be the new thing that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will be able to use to fill up their precious prisons with slave laborers. Uh, and so this will absolutely be heavily, heavily enforced, again, in the cities where yeah. that are filled with the people that have stuff used against them all the time. Imagine marching uh, against police brutality and abuse I don't know, all of last summer, and then wanting only them to have guns. Uh, so this will also heavily discriminate against anyone who has a mental illness. In, or, in other words, anyone who's ever had to see a therapist uh, or had to get mental health treatment, who has had depression, uh, who has dealt with addiction, like, you know, victims of abuse, people with depression, veterans with PTSD, uh, child sexual assault survivors, people that have had to deal with some very incredible stuff that would make them want to be able to defend themselves. And now, nope, at federal law, they can never do so. 
Uh, this bans larger caliber ammo, uh, which is mostly used for hunting and sport. Uh, it's pretty much never used against people. No one uses a 50 caliber round against people. It's a massive waste of money and resources. Um, it uh, puts a really weird arbitrary limit of 10 rounds on magazine capacity uh, that would make most magazines illegal, especially pretty much all rifle magazines or the vast majority of rifle magazines illegal. Uh, illegal ownership of as much as one single round of ammunition of any kind can get you up to 20 years in prison. Who do you think is going to be targeted the most? It's 20. I thought it was 15. Up to 20 years in prison and hundreds of, uh, uh, I think, $100,000 fine. 20, up to 20 years in prison. Now, if you're a corrupt cop, how much easier is it going to be to drop a 9mm round than a bag of cocaine? This is terrible imagine if you're on parole trying to get right and a corrupt cop decides he wants to put you away for the rest of of your life how easy is that going to be one round of ammo can land you in prison for 20 years uh, and and uh, uh, ownership of a uh, of 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 a legal item that you haven't been approved to have, I think it can get you. Uh, that might be the fifteen one because it was under twenty. Um, of course, it places absolutely no restrictions on police or government agents who are tens of times more likely to actually kill someone than a civilian gun owner. And I mean, this is just scratching the surface of this horrific law. The good news if you want to call it that, is that the likelihood of this passing is low. Is the bad news low. the bad news is that this can very much be used um, to as a baseline to try to make something more reasonable, which would end up being a massive infringement. I, I, I think that this is one of those create such a shock with one thing that then you bring in something else that otherwise would have seemed ridiculous. But compared to this thing, it's nowhere near as bad. And people go, okay, well, I guess we'll have to go through with it. Uh, And the NRA will jump all over that second thing. The NRA will fight this thing tooth and nail. And when the second thing comes out, they'll go, does it still include protections for our sponsors in the gun manufacturing industry? Yes. Okay. okay, you'll notice that this has nothing about ending uh, protection from uh, law, uh, ending protection against lawsuits. This has NRA sponsors a watered down version of this written all over it. Yes, and if you're against it, then thankfully social media is going to consider you a domestic extremist. So, it's yeah, the good well, news those there. Are, those, those are our thoughts. <laughs> those are our thoughts. Uh, all right, here. Here's the next one. Here's This is from Billy Pierce. Howdy, fellas. Billy Pierce from Houston, Texas here again. I'd like to thank Chris Reynolds, uh, the personal injury attorney, for sponsoring this, uh, this segment. Um, guys, I'm considering running for office again here in Texas as a way to help my community, as a way to help the, uh, my friends and my neighbors. And as I'm considering this, I want to, instead of taking a shotgun approach and sort of talking about the entire libertarian platform, uh, like some people do, I want to concentrate on two or three issues that people really care about and hopefully entice them to learn more about libertarianism as a, as a philosophy. 
um, but start with the things that they care about the most. So what two or three issues do you think that people today care the most about? Um, not what we wish they would care about, but what do you think people care the most about today? Thanks, guys. So you you toured the country yeah, last summer for something. Um, I just wanted to get out. The travel, the airline flights, the pricing was a little bit lower. The hotels right. were no, you know, lower capacity. <clears throat> so, you know, I had time and, you know, I figured I'd travel, you know, and talk to people. So you, um, you probably have a wider breadth of knowledge on what it is that people everywhere is looking for. Like I know right, my right. community, I know my community, like uh, Billy's from Houston, I believe. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, Texas. So, yeah. 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 I, I think he ran for a theft collector in the county that Houston's in though. Um, I believe so. Um, but, um, so I'm not sure what the local makeup is. I'm not sure what it is that they're really concerned about. I know here, I know here where I am, people are concerned about, um, whether or not they're going to have money to pay rent. Um, they're concerned about police overstepping bounds, police brutality, police uh, corruption, you know, that. And for the third major thing, uh, honestly, in St. Saint Pete, Pinellas County, legalization of marijuana, because we have medical, but not full legalization. So I think those would be the big three here. Now you have a wider, you have a wider knowledge in, did you go to Houston? Uh, I just outside of Houston to Conover, I think it's called uh, Texas. I was just outside of Houston. Um, So what I heard overall, uh, there was there's some overlap there. Overwhelmingly, I heard concerns and anxieties about COVID and the lockdowns and how to get out of this. And and, and it's hard to separate those things. Um, It's hard to separate covid from the lockdowns from mask mandates to health policy it's it's really because of how all-encompassing it is and it is a comprehensive issue with a comprehensive solution set of solutions but that's a big one covid messaging was it conroe conroe what i say i don't know but uh billy billy and connor both asked if it was conroe yes it was conroe texas yeah a huge audience there too everything in texas was huge like i was just Everything they say about everything's bigger in Texas. Mostly true, yes. Unless um, you're in Alaska. Yeah. Alaska actually brags about that often. They say everything's bigger in Texas unless you're in Alaska. Unless you're in Alaska? Well, or I'm about to find out. In April, when I go to Gold Rush uh, on April 17th um, in Wasilla, Alaska. Uh, so overall, so COVID was one uh, another big one was just general economic anxiety. And a lot of that had to do with the lockdowns. It's hard to, you know, isolate these things as individual things, but a lot of economic anxiety about like, am I going to be able to afford to make ends meet? Am I going to lose my job? Am I going to be able to make more money to be able to afford, you know, it was already tough for me before all of this to be able to make ends meet. Uh, you know, uh, I, I have debt piling up, like, you know, just general kitchen table stuff about how are we going to make this match up with this or maybe even be a little bit higher than this so that one day we could actually have some money in our pockets and not just be paying bills for the rest of our lives. Um, And then I I guess the third thing would be 
uh, it, 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 in, in a lot of areas, those were really the two big ones. And if there was a third thing, it was all related to criminal justice reform, the police and, and you know, uh, and all the ancillary stuff about that. I'm going to use the ancillary from now on. Thanks to Joe Solosky. Um, but uh, so but I would I'd say if you have to pick two from that, the big ones were everything related to covid and everything related to economic anxiety. If you can yeah. tell people I'm going to I'm I have solutions, we as libertarians have solutions to fix the problems and get us out of this covid mess quicker and with less damage to us economically and 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 put us in a better economic footing, then you're going to be golden. Um I think that you'll do great. Now with that said, you know, you saw how big of a difference there was between what I saw just nationally uh, and what you know Matt saw in his you know in his specific general area. So it depends on what you're running for. The one thing I would tell you is the most important thing you can do, Billy, is reach out to community groups. I'm sure you're already doing that in your wherever your your presumed jurisdiction of what you're running for is going to be. If it's for Congress, that district. If it's for you know your county, that county. If it's for your school district, whatever, whatever it is, talk to the people in that area, the groups in that area, and and see what is it that their concerns are. Um, because you often, especially if it's a more localized office, you can, talking to individual communities and groups and individuals, can hear what they have to say, give a good answer to them, then give your main talking points that you want to hammer away on, and win votes as a result of that. You know, libertarians win. You know, Billy, you watch my you watch culture winning a lot. You 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 hear what the people are saying. Be involved in your community. Listen to what they're saying. Uh, you know, be in front of them so that they know that you have solutions and ideas, and and you can win it. So, um, here's the um, next real one quick, from re- go real quick. Um, Joe Joe makes drifts. Um, thank you for the $5. He asked, uh, how do I have a boating accident whilst the lakes are frozen asking for a friend, which is weird because he said, how do I, um, but when you come down to Florida, the friend said, how do I, right, right. Um, when you come down to Florida, when you or your friend come down to Florida in two weeks, I will take you out on my friend's boat. And should we have an accident? Hey, that's thank out. you. Uh, that's out. Uh, and here's the next one from Josh. Hey, Matt and Spike here. Josh McCoe is here. I wanted to share some information about um, the child support, Social Security, and Medicaid administrations. Um, so my ex and I have um, split custody of my daughter. And she and I would love would have loved to have been able to, you know, um, take care of her without the state's fucking input. So, um, but unfortunately, they have like um, precedents in my state to um, rule on de facto judgment of required child support, child support payments. Because, of course, we all know that the states are matched by the Social Security Administration for exactly. every child support dollar that is paid. Yep. Thereby yep. incentivizing them to always de facto rule that people are going to pay child support even when the the couple is willing to work things out themselves is this second one a continuation of that okay continuing my rant about child support um max and i were trying you know we're not wanting to oversee child support payments and we felt this way because you know we could take care of our child without the state without the state's input um and who else wouldn't feel this way? 
I'd feel like, you know, only a fucking moron who shouldn't have had kids in the first place would feel this way. And most often, child support is only pushed on people who should not have had kids in the first place, in my opinion. And anyways, there are people that often deadbeat who do not want to support their child. Meanwhile, you know, they're forcing it on on people who want to be active in their child's life, are active, and are doing everything they can to support them. And meanwhile, they're just saying, well, nope, we want your fucking money. Well, you kind of answered your own question, Josh. And, I, and first yeah. of all, I'm sorry that you're going through that. It's an I, absolute nightmare. I, I was going to I was going to say you can definitely hear um, how upset he is in, yeah. in, in these messages. And and I honestly I feel I've got a lot of friends who are they are very active in their kids lives. And uh, the here in Florida, here in Florida, a lot of times um, the the dads get kind of screwed like and and it's because of the social security administration matching dollar for dollar and i feel for all of them especially like you know the hardworking dads who are doing it and they they're doing it so they can pay and they want to spend time with their with their kid um and i get it and i get it and it and it sucks um and for you i i deeply you know i feel for you i yeah i I can't even imagine they do I can't. No. Yeah. Um, here, here is, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, as far as how to fix that. I know how to fix it. Okay, cool. We get this. So surprise, surprise, get the federal government out of it. We have right. a system where, as Josh, uh, Josh was mentioning, the federal government matches up to a certain amount every dollar that comes in through the child support system to the states. The money doesn't go to the kid. The money goes to the state. Why? Because screw you. That's why. Why would it go to the kid who needs it? You schmuck. It goes to the state, of course. So the state gets this money, presumably to help operate their family court system, even though they're very well funded. Um, And so when a judge sees a couple that's trying to work it out between them, saying, yes, we'd like to share custody. We, you know, we're in a position where, you know, we'll work out the terms of who's helping, you know, who, or, or, or we can split it equally. We're fine with that. We just want to be able to both be in the kid's life. The uh, courts will often say, nope, we're going to give primary custody to whoever makes the least amount of money, which is more often than not the, 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 the mother, but not always, but more, but more often than not. And we're going to give the le- we're going to give little to no custody to the father uh, or to, to the, the one who's making the most money. And because they aren't getting any di- or very little direct shared custody, they are going to have to pay more in that child support so we can make more money from it. And they get a piece of the child support, too. So not only do they get a, you know money from the federal government, they get to get a piece of the child support, too. They literally tax the money for the children. Okay, And so what that leads to is more and more mostly childless, but just largely single parent or, or uh, fatherless, but also largely single parent homes. And unfortunately, there are a lot of, uh, you know, uh, statistically, it's not to say all single parent uh, uh, families or all single parent children of single parents are going to have a bad situation. But we do know statistically that having two active and involved parents in a child's life uh, is it leads to typically better outcomes. Not always. There are certainly examples of both. And it's not it's not so much that, you know, if, if you're, I, I'm not trying to condemn anyone to anything. Just we know the statistics that 
doing this over the course of millions of families leads to worse outcomes, right? So it's one thing to deal with deadbeat parents. It's another thing to tell, like like Josh said, to tell parents that are more than willing to work it out between themselves, no, you are not allowed to. We are going to make you not see your kid as much, and we're going to make you take money that you didn't want. Uh, and you're and and because we get more money as a result of that. Here's how we fix it: get the feds out of it, and then that that matching money. The money's not going to the kids; it's going to the this this corrupt family court system. Okay, that's number one. Get them out of it completely. There's no reason the Fed should even be involved in it in the first place. Number two, allow recording of proceedings in all court proceedings. You have a right to record what is happening to you in court. Now, that would be great for all court cases, but a family court is a perfect example where uh, because it in many states, because it is considered a civil matter, uh, they often don't even have a court reporter. There's no actual reporting of what's even happening, much less any kind of video or anything else. You should be able to walk in there and freaking live stream your or, or at least record your proceedings or at least demand a, a third party re- re- recording of your proceedings at the very least. Uh, And then finally, we need to, and probably through legislative means, end this absurd, patriarchal, outdated idea called, uh, which is called the uh, um, presumed uh, mother as primary parent. I forget what it's called, but it's basically a, a court doctrine that's been around longer than any of us have been alive, which is that courts typically determine that all things being equal, the mother is the better parent who is better suited to raise the child because women are more nurturing and men can't. Okay. It's just, it's a completely outdated idea. Uh, it does not match our society where the vast majority of households, both parents are working. Um, and, uh, what it does do is it acts largely as a presumption against the father having any right to be involved in the child's life, especially if they're the one making more money. So what there should probably be from a legislative standpoint is ending that and replacing it with presumed shared parenting. Unless there is a reason, a compelling reason to think based on the facts of the case that one parent or the other is actually better suited to be a parent. Unless there's a situation with abuse, unless there's a situation with addiction or, you know, whatever, fraud, you know, whatever. Unless there's an actual reason to think that one parent is better suited or one parent is much worse suited than the other, the presumption should be, especially if both are in are in there saying we want to be actively involved in the child's life, the presumption should be that both parents have shared owner presumed shared uh custody i said ownership before shared custody of the child those three things would do such incredible reform to the family court system that we wouldn't see nearly the abuses we're, we're seeing right now so i have a friend whose name i won't mention because he's called in and been on the show before so i'm not gonna uh spread that but i have a friend who when he was going through his divorce and they were going through that portion of it, the year before he had only made roughly, and I don't know the exact figure, but like $21,000. It was a bad year for him. And when they went through the child support portion of it, uh, they gave him every Wednesday and every other weekend um, was how often he could see the child. And then on top of that, uh, $1,200 a month for a guy that whose tax record showed he made $21,000 or whatever it was. And then the mom moved an hour away. 
So now he has to drive on Wednesdays, two hours round trip. And if he wants to bring the child back, it's four hours. Like if he wants to bring the child back to do something, it's four hours round trip. Um, Just so he can see his kid every Wednesday. Um, It is a broken, broken system. Yeah. And a lot of it is the uh, children's courts, the family courts. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's incentivization at the federal level, whether that was the intention or not, what it has led to is incentivizing the tearing up of families and, and the, 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 because there is no accountability. Oh, here's the other thing we need to do. And we talk about ending qualified immunity for police officers and government agents. Absolutely. And CPS workers. Absolutely. But what we don't talk about is that judges and prosecutors, as well as politicians have something called absolute immunity. They don't even have to qualify it. They're just immune. We need to end absolute immunity. We need to end immunity for people in government. If they hurt people, then they should be held every bit as accountable as you and I would be if we hurt people or damage them or, or, or kill them or you know violate their rights or whatever. And judges and prosecutors and family court advocates and so forth should be absolutely held to the same standard as anyone else. And a great way to do that would be to end their immunity and introduce uh, a right, a universal right to recording uh, of the proceedings. So these are all. So here was a, a stat that uh, Elizabeth Cokiard brought up. It is more likely for an American household to have a dog in it than a father. I just. I mean that. That's insane. <laughs> That's I don't insane. even. Billy said he was a full custody single dad for a year with five daughters. Woo! Now I know why you're such a kind man. <laughs> he, your wow. patience levels are off the charts. I mean, five kids in general, but especially all of the same gender. Goodness. I'm sorry, the same sex. Um, wow. Matt Hicks has eight dogs. Thank you, Matt. Um <laughs> Speaking of which, we now have a few calls from Matt Laser Legend, Legend Matt Laser Legend Hicks. Here we go. Hey, guy on left and Spike. This is Matt Hicks calling in on the personal injury attorney Chris Reynolds, attorney of law anchor calling moment, TM, or something like that. Um, I'm still on my way home from school right now, driving, and uh, it's boring. School is boring. And the driving part, it's also boring. Uh, whatever. Um, I'm sure you guys are talking about the GameStop phenomenon and the short squeeze action that's going on right now. Um, mad props to all these uh, Reddit cowboys that are trying to stick it to the man and all of this. But um, can you maybe take a couple of minutes, if you haven't already, and discuss what happens on the other side of a short squeeze? There's some people that I think are going to get caught holding the bag. Hashtag laser legend. So do, do you want to address that during our seg- our next segment? Yeah, we'll, we'll go into that during the segment. Yeah. So we're, we're actually going to get into how that works. Um, so uh, yeah, so that's uh, that we'll, we'll talk about that, but that's an excellent question because a lot of people are trying to figure out like, why are people buying game stock stock and then sitting on it 
and why are they holding and what's going to happen and what are diamond hands and all that stuff. So we'll, we'll talk about that shortly. But thank you for the question. Uh, here is the next one from Matt Hicks, Laser Legends. Hey, guy on left and Spike. This is Matt Hicks calling in on the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney of law, anchor calling moment, TM. Still driving home. Still not there yet. Kind of bored, so I thought I'd ask you guys some more questions. Um, It's a serious one for you. How exactly does one go about handcuffing and pepper spraying a nine-year-old girl? Oh, God. Asking for a friend. Hashtag laser legend. So for anybody who doesn't know what uh, Matt Hicks is referencing here, in Rochester, New York, um, a police officer... Let me get that video. Saw a... Oh, do you have the video? No, I, I you, like, here, you t- you talk about it. I'll pull it up. Okay. So a police officer uh, saw a nine-year-old girl who was by herself in a neighborhood. Um, and according to the police officer, he said that she's... That he said that she said uh, she was feeling suicidal. Now, I know that the proper way to talk to somebody who says they're feeling suicidal is to chase them through the streets of Rochester, call seven of your buddies to show up in six separate cop cars, pepper spray, cuff, and throw them in the backseat of the car. Now, when it's a nine-year-old girl, it's especially important to do this because this is what will help somebody who says that they're suicidal to uh, not be suicidal anymore. Um, especially when they're a nine-year-old girl. Especially when they're a nine-year-old girl. Um, yeah. Because that, that just it makes the most amount of sense in my mind. Um, when the police union, when the Rochester police union, it's not the Rochester police union. I don't remember the exact title of it. Yeah, but, when but, the, but the police the, union that represents Rochester police, yeah. Right. Uh, when they were asked asked about it uh what they said was she could have been hurt worse yeah yeah it could have been just so everybody knows this is not going to be a fun video that we show um yeah viewer discretion here right uh this is bad how long is this video it's this one is short so there is a another video that is much longer uh, and that is, uh, it shows the entire thing. It's like 10 minutes long and, uh, and it, it shows the whole scuffle and everything else. Uh, this shows the actual moment of the pepper spraying. Now, a lot of people go, oh, well, you know, the girl, she, she kicked a couple times and she was, you know, yelling and stuff again, nine-year-old girl, she was, she nine-year-old was screaming girl. for her father. She was screaming for her dad and, uh, and was very scared and was going, was having a mental health crisis. And they knew that when they were arriving, uh, that she was being suicidal And so, uh, but here's why I want to show this, because there are a lot of people out right now going, I don't care how old the kid is. If they're kicking me and if they're being violent, then I get to get to pepper spray them. I want to show this video to show that not only was she not pepper spray, not only was she not kicking, not only was she not like being violent, she had 
cuffs on and she was sitting in the back of the car. Her crime, well, I'll let you see the crime for yourself. Dear, right, you, just stop for a second and take a deep breath. Hey, just stop. I will get your dad. No, you said that you were going to pepper spray me. No, please, no, stop. I got a bad one. Just spray Just spray at this point. This is, she's nine. She wasn't, she just, she wasn't listening because she's nine and she was feeling suicidal and she was screaming for her dad and they've been trying to put her in a cop car. Why they wouldn't send out someone with the police to like talk to her about what was going on would have taken a lot less resources than having like a freaking dozen cars, however many cops end up showing up and all these cars show up for the grave danger of a nine-year-old who was already handcuffed and her crime was your hair is doing the thing again her crime was uh was that she oh you can't hear me her crime was that she didn't want to bring her legs into the car so they could leave and the way that a bunch of adults dealt with that your hair is doing the thing again yeah, the way that a bunch of a bunch of adults dealt with uh, a nine-year-old not wanting to comply, who was no danger to them at all, and who had her hands behind her back, tethered, on, in, in in cuffs, and was already in the cop car, they just needed to swing her little legs over. They pepper sprayed her twice. Two of them did. Now, a lot of people in the comments are saying, and I didn't know this part, actually, uh, that the cop said, you're acting like a child to yes. a yep. girl, to which she yep. responded, I am a child. Yeah, um, that's earlier on. Yeah. Yeah. And accurate. Um, that's everything about this story is terrible. When I when I first saw the story today, uh, earlier today, I was appalled and I said, if we have a chance to talk about this uh I texted Spike and I said, if we have a chance to talk about this, let's do it. Um, and then I heard Matt Hicks's message because I have to screen his messages now. Um, but I knew that we were 100% going to talk about this one. And it was. It's heartbreaking that anybody goes through this, but the fact that they had the audacity and the gall to do this to a nine-year-old girl and then have the police union come out and say she could have been hurt worse is one of the most immoral statements I've ever heard, or unethical statements I've ever heard in my life. Yep. It's, we talk about defunding the police, which typically means re, re, diverting some of the resources that are being used on all this over enforcement into mental health services and things like that. What we don't talk about is defunding the police unions. And the way you do that 
is by ending qualified immunity. When you end qualified immunity, the police unions very quickly have to either shift towards accountability of officers or they will lose everything. And I'm fine with either of those outcomes or both. This is a problem of people who know every single one of the people involved in that situation there, that abuse and torturing of a child who was feeling suicide. Who here has ever dealt with a panic attack? Like a really bad one where you feel a disconnection from reality and don't know if you want to live anymore. I'll raise my hand. Now imagine if police, now imagine you're doing it. Who here has had one of those when you're a kid? Like 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. And you have no context about what's even happening. You just think you're going crazy. Because now, if I dealt with a panic attack as an adult, I can calm myself down, recognize what's happening, you know, do, do coping mechanisms, and coping, coping strategies and things like that. And eventually it goes away if that, if that happens. Thankfully, I've been stable for a very long time. But as a child, you don't know what the hell is going on. Now, imagine if in the midst of that, you have cops pulling you into the snow and then pepper spraying you and putting you in a vehicle. Now, one of the one of the commenters said that the uh, Patricia, a lot of people here are raising their hands about this. And this is I mean, it's serious, guys. Uh, Patricia Berthod, I hope I'm saying or Berthod, I hope I'm saying that right, um, said, where was it? Um, uh, the female cop was the only compassionate one. It may appear that way at first glance. There's a ter- we use the term good cop, good cop, bad cop. She was being the good cop. Keep in mind, she also pepper sprayed the kid or attempted to. She either pepper sprayed the kid or attempted to. We don't really know. What she was doing was saying, hey, listen to me. Listen to what I'm saying. And in fact, at one point, I don't know if it's in that video. She says, you're losing their patience. And she then said, you either get in the car or it's pepper spray in the eyeballs. What she's doing is saying, and and like Sean said, she didn't do anything to stop it from happening. They know they never do. They don't. That's a whole other subject. Why we need qualified immunity. Because then the officers would have to hold each other accountable so that they don't become a co-defendant. Why we need to get rid of qualified immunity. Oh, yeah. Why we need to end qualified immunity because of that. So here's here's the problem. Here's what she was doing. I'm the nice cop. Listen to me. Because if you don't listen to me, the not nice cops are going to be really abusive to you. Uh Uh-oh, you didn't listen to me. Now they're going to hurt you. Now they're going to hurt you. It's it, it is literally good cop bad cop, and 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 Jimmy Lee mentions a, a, a nine year old doesn't have a concept of what do you even mean by their patience, what uh, their pay of what 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 are they going to do? And again, you're in a again put yourself in the situation you are contemplating death as a kid because you're having this massive mental health crisis. Okay, so who knows? She may have a chemical imbalance. She may be dealing with problems at home you know she was yelling for her dad maybe there's a a, a bad divorce happening who knows what's happening that's got this kid this worked up okay and you're hearing the police are going to lose their pay does that mean they're going to kill me like you you really you're you're losing their patience now get in their car who here thinks anything's going to happen as a result of this other than maybe one or two officers being demoted or possibly one cop being fired who here thinks there's going to be real accountability for paid, the fact that we have suspensions. video of a yeah paid suspensions? Poss- there might be a firing as a result of this. 
oh, wow, her dad's dead, according to Connor Cudmore. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I haven't confirmed I, I don't know. That, I didn't wow. do, I, like, I read yeah, it, I, but I, I didn't I, know if I don't we didn't have time, so I didn't do, like, all the research on it. But, but, but imagine for a second, wow, that makes it a thousand times worse if that's the case. That does make it, yeah, that does make it a lot worse if that's the case. So at any rate, uh, it, whether or not that's that's the case, who here thinks that anything? Imagine it's us, okay? Everyone that's watching this, you, me, you, you, me, Matt, you know, all the people watching, you at home. We go and and you know, a couple dozen of us or a dozen of us, however many are on there, we go and we and you know, a kid's not doing well, and we think, well, we'll fix this. We're gonna put her, we're gonna chain her her hands behind her back, throw her in the back of a car, and then we're gonna threaten to pepper spray her. She doesn't listen to us, and then we're and then we're going to pepper spray her, and we're going to drive her away and put her in a in a cage. What would happen to us? Would any of us see the light of day ever again? No. What would the prisoners do to us when they heard what we what we did? So three of the officers have been suspended. While, while they're investigating? So one officer was suspended. Two were placed on administrative leave. Um, suspension was ordered by uh, after Warren met with police. Uh, the mayor, Mayor Warren, met with police. Um, internal investigation is ongoing. The spokesman did not respond to a request for additional details. I, um, I think it's likely that the officer who sprayed her from behind, which is like, on I mean, suspension. It, it, that's one's on suspension. He is likely to get fired. I who here that. thinks he's going to see any jail time for that or no. even a prosecution no. or get sued successfully sued who have to pay out a, a, a lawsuit. Now who here thinks that the Rochester taxpayer will likely have to pay out a, a settlement? That's likely. But actual accountability of the people who did it? I hope I'm wrong. I hope we're all wrong. I hope it happens. Qualified immunity is a major step against it. And the empowerment of police unions that qualified immunity uh, creates is, is, a, is a, major, a major step. In, in the, the one thing that we have on our side is we all have high definition cameras now now this was a body cam so that's so, often that's a good thing too uh but this is the this is a big one cuz there's a lot of so, stuff that doesn't happen on body cams uh so connor says you, the union guy was mad that people were mad about it and i've got a quote here from mike mazeo the union president and he says I'm not saying there are not better ways to do things, but let's be realistic about what we're facing. It's not TV. It's not Hollywood. We don't have a simple situation where people we uh, where we can put our hands and have somebody be instantly handcuffed and comply. So for a nine-year-old girl, a nine-year-old girl, he couldn't put his hands on her and have her just suddenly be handcuffed and comply. So the next logical solution, granted, may not have been the best one, because he says there. I'm not saying there are not better ways to do it, 
but that was the best one that they could come up with in the moment was to have seven police officers throw her in the back of a car and pepper spray her. How about sit her down in her home and have a conversation with her about why she feels this way? And and I, I will often hear, because someone mentioned she wasn't under arrest exactly, why not just talk to her, okay? And a lot of people will go, oh, well, you know, you don't, you don't, uh, you know, poke a rabid bear. So why would you do that? The cops? Well, thank you for uh, dehumanizing police and comparing them to rabid animals. Uh, they are human beings. They can make choices. Um, but let's say that's the case. Let's say that the police are so inhuman uh, that they're unable to talk to a child who clearly is dealing with some heavy, heavy stuff, especially if, if her dad just died. Okay. Why not bring someone in who can? I talked on the trail. I talked to mental health workers who said, I don't want to hear a thing from the police about, you know, oh, uh, we have to go straight to violence if someone's being physical, especially if it's a kid. I, I talked to mental health workers who are, you know, mu you know, women who are much smaller than me who have said, I have had, I have had, you know, a 200 pound man getting physical in front of me and trying, you know, trying to intimidate me uh, in during a, a, a therapy session. And I had to put a, you know, a pillow or a chair between me and him and talk him down and deescalate until he could eventually sit back down and we could have a nice conversation and he could apologize. And then we could figure out how to make sure that never happens again. Now, I'm not saying anyone should have to be in that much of a situation. If someone's coming right at you, that's one thing, and especially if there's a, a size disparity or something like that. But the fact that there are people who can do that tells me that if you are larger than someone and armed with both pepper spray and a gun and cuffs and all this other stuff, there is no reason, especially when she was cuffed, that they can't say, hey, why don't we... Why don't we sit down here in your home and we're going to give you time to go through your thing and you can scream or whatever else and then we'll talk about it. And if they're not equipped to do that, then bring in someone who can, bring in a social worker or a mental health expert that can. And for those of us who are fiscally conservative, who go, well, but that costs a lot of money. It doesn't cost anything close to what that just was. All the expenditure of having all those people out there with their cars and everything else instead of having a, you know, a, a, a paid a, a, a licensed social worker come out and say – Hey, what's going on? And and who knows de-escalation techniques for kids and how to deal with them? I thank yeah. God that when I was going through my mental health issues as a young kid, which were triggered by a divorce or the beginning of a divorce, that I didn't have a situation like this. And it's very likely that the only reason that I didn't have a situation like this is because I was in a house and the neighbors couldn't hear me screaming. Because this could have likely, ha I don't know why who called the police or what happened, but this could just be because they're in the kind of housing that other people were hearing screaming and talking about death and killing and whatever, and they called the police. I don't know. The mom might have called the police. I don't, I don't know what happened. Right. But there's a, a, a likelihood. It, it, it was for a family situation is what, yeah. why they were called. Yeah. There needs to be a completely different way of looking at if we are to be protected and served by government and by the police, 
then there needs to be a presumption that we actually need protection and help and serving. And if they can't do that, then they need to stop saying that's what they are. If the only reason they show up is to violently make us comply with the words that are written on a sheet of paper or whatever their personal opinion is about how things should be going, which often is what happens. This kid didn't break any laws. Right. Mike if Todd, that's the case. Mike Todd brings up a good point and he says, no wonder kids are afraid to ask for help. So when yeah. some, like you hear about a story like this or you know, kids have the internet, like they, they can see these things just as easily as we do. M Misty Rotherman says when she worked in DPS, CPS, her de-escalation training was done at the local police department and it included mental health patients. They're trained. No excuses. Thank you. And we often hear this excuse. Uh, well, maybe they just need more money for training. No one needs to be trained to be told, don't pepper spray a handcuffed nine-year-old girl from behind because she's not listening, because she's scared. And if you do need that training, you need to have never been a police officer in the first place. I'm not sure you should work at Costco. You might actually need to be in jail if that's your go-to. I... I, I I know we have other questions, but this is just, I, I, this is, yeah, this one, we, we, so we, unfortunately we have to actually move on because we still have the game. We, we still have other things in an entire other segment, but this is a perfect example of they need to be held accountable. You need to end qualified immunity. There's needs to be a shift of, of if you're going to have the government fund police, like the, your city and state governments fund police instead of just a community-based policing model, then some of the, more of that funding needs to go away from this violent enforcement and the violent compliance measures towards actually helping people, mental health professionals, people who can deal with this. The vast majority of 911 calls are mental health and addiction. Why the hell are armed people who are predisposed to violently making you comply if, you, if you're not, not going to comply immediately? Why, why is that who we would have show up? Right. We're not the land of the free. We're the land of the domesticated. And we need to, we need to stop this. And, and that's what defund the police means. Defund the police means treat people like how they should be deserved. If you're going to take their money and give them a police department and give them services, then actually serve them with that. And if you can't, then give them their damn money back so they can do it themselves. Let's go to the next one, the next question. Cause this is just... <laughs> Hello there, Guy on left and Spike. This is Matt Hicks calling in on the personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney of law, Hager calling moment DM. Still driving and still sober, but I'm almost home. So, um, <laughs> you know, that, that just means that the message quality is going to decline rapidly. Um, well. This question is for Guy on left. Yeah, you, buddy. What's your favorite animal at the zoo? I mean, you have the coolest job ever. What's right? your favorite animal? Hashtag laser legend. So I don't work at a zoo. I work at a water zoo. At a fish zoo. At a fish zoo. <laughs> a uh, seafood zoo. A seafood, yeah. A seafood zoo. Um... And as far as what is my favorite animal there, that's a, man, that's a tough question. Um, so there's this exhibit uh, called um, 
heart of the sea. And there is a turtle in there that is a green sea. Nope, it's not a green sea turtle. That's a lie. It's a sea turtle of some kind that I don't remember the exact species of, whose name is Sheldon. And uh, I have multiple photos of Sheldon um, because anytime I walk into the room, he swims over to me and just swims back and forth in front of me while I take photos of him. So obviously he is much like me and sees a camera and wants to be on it. Um, but he is probably my favorite. Is that him or is that Shelly? That's Shelly. I don't, Shelly's fine, but you know, it's no, this guy right here. This guy, he's Sheldon. He's just a wonderful person, a wonderful turtle. And does he kind of follow you around when he can see you? Yeah, that's so uh, at the Ripley's Aquarium in in Myrtle Beach, the the aquarium that my wife and I go to a lot. They have a sea turtle who follows my wife around. Like, especially if there aren't a bunch of people, usually if it's like a ton of people there, then the turtle gets kind of distracted. Often the turtle will actually go uh, into a into like a dark corner because it doesn't want to be around a lot of people. But when there's fewer people there without fail, the turtle beelines to to, to my wife and uh and we have the kind where you kind of go under it's like a tunnel type thing where it's where the the fish can go over you and this the turtle will just and just stay around her it's so cool so that that would the penguins are cool too man Pen, yeah yeah I, I i only so i met uh cliff the other day yesterday and yeah cliff was cliff was pretty dope they're That's silky. Cool. Are it's you weird. are are you naming these tur- these animals or are they already named? Uh, so if I post it on Facebook with a name, I made that up. Um, but Sheldon is the turtle's actual name, and Cliff is the penguin's actual name. Okay. Oh gosh, what happened? No, no. What God? What what, what happened? What is happening? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So that's the fish zoo. All right, so here's our last question, and then we'll talk about Game Stonk. Uh, here's our last question from Josh. Hey, Matt and Spike and Joe. Josh McCoy is here. I was just listening to Joe speak about how some of his criticisms seem they have been listened to by his legislature and how they're limiting the powers of his governor, which reminds me of what's happened in my state, in not really politics, but in the public university which has funded by the state and the federal government. They, um, in 2012, I was campaigning for Ron Paul and I was saying that the problem with the university and tuition rising price, like tuition rising was because the administration was basically pot, you know, loading their pockets. And there's also too much, you know, administrate like top down administration causing all the, um, budget issues and then when they had the accreditation board look at it, they agreed with what I said. And it's funny, 10 years later. Yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. It's almost as though when the government is in charge of education that you often have accountability issues. Cause, and this would be, I mean, we could then get into a whole, I could get into an equally passionate diatribe about what happens when the government got in and set pricing and created all these grants and, and, and got involved in lending, removing the price equilibrium from education 
so that now they can charge whatever they want. They also then aren't accountable. There's a whole, I, I have to stop. So uh, for Derek Rhodes, here's Cliff. Oh, man. That is so cute. Yeah. Yeah, that, I was out on a uh, bait break, and he just kind of walked by with his handler, the person who takes him from the exhibit to where he exercises. Goes, I, I don't know what he was doing. And she said, I have a couple of minutes. I'm just going to put him here. And he just kind of ran around me for a little bit. He was pretty cool. Um, I mean, no Sheldon, but, you know, he's pretty cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. So here is what a lot of people have been sitting around waiting for, and that is us talking about the good news, which is that we got Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Donald Trump Jr. and Ted Cruz and Ed Cernovich and freaking probably Trump, but we can't hear from him anymore. And uh, uh, pretty much everyone except for Wall Street Warren, Liz Warren and... Uh, basically the Biden administration uh, and, and hedge funds to agree on, which is that Wall Street sucks a lot. And here's a perfect example of that. Uh, at the beginning of the year, GameStop, for those who don't remember GameStop, it's probably because you're a damn kid and you need, need to get off my lawn. GameStop was where, especially in the early, uh, mid and, and late 2000s, where uh, you could trade video games uh, you could go and 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 sell a video game that you already have and or exchange it for another video game, uh, both used and new. Uh, and it kind of gave you a lot more flexibility. And obviously, GameStop made a lot of money. You, you you weren't making money doing it, but you could spend less money getting games and, and turning in old games without having to try to sell them online or, or, or whatever. And uh, and their their slogan is power to the players. So the whole idea is, you know, you, you have more <laughs> options and flexibility. And... GameStop has largely has really been losing revenue over the years as a result of the fact that uh, more and more video games are down direct download. So you you download it or you stream it. Uh, so more and more games, you actually have to have an internet connection because you're actually streaming the game. You're not online. And, um, and there's many reasons for that, you know, a higher, uh, faster internet speeds, faster broadband. So, so that you can download, uh, more content, larger, uh, hard drive spaces on game consoles and PCs. So there's just, there's not, it's really just a market thing that it's just, there's just not as much demand for game stock. Uh, uh, for, for GameStop and, and, and that type of a, of a way of, of physical media in general and then GameStop, which is built on it. Uh, and then there's another, uh, uh, another uh, uh, well, we'll talk more about AMC later. But at the beginning of the year, GameStop stock was sold for about $17 uh, a share. Uh, the reason for this is because uh, a bunch of hedge funds, uh, the largest one being uh, Melvin, uh, Melvin Capital and Melvin Financial, but some others as well. Um, they decided that they were going to kill GameStop. GameStop still exists; it's just not as popular. They decided yeah. that they were going to kill GameStop, and we'll talk some more about that in a bit. Why they decided to do that? The short answer is because they want to rob people. But they uh, they they wanted to kill GameStop, and so they announced through. CNBC and all of the different, uh, you know, uh, Wall Street media, uh, corporate media that they were going to 
uh, uh, st- short GameStop. They were gonna, they were, they were going, and basically, without getting into the details, which we will later, what that means is they're going to sell shares of GameStop and basically, you know, crater the value uh, of GameStop. Um, and so, as a result, people started selling their shares. Now, you might say to yourself, "That sounds like market manipulation to go on the your preferred media." And announce you're going to do something that's going to make you a bunch of money so that you then panic other individual investors into following you so that you make even more money? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, correct. So there is a subreddit or group on Reddit called Wall Street Bets who decided they were going to show the hedgies a thing or two about Pre, uh, prematurely short selling a stock so they told all their all their followers to buy GameStop shares at bottom basement pricing because everyone else was selling they they, right. they bought on the dip and well when the market closed on Friday it was trading at $325 and ended up reaching as high as Four hundred dollars. Now, most of the people. Me- Go ahead. I, I saw a meme uh, the other day that said that it was selling at four twenty sixty nine, and I don't know if that's true. But if games, yes, was- someone got the screenshot. It briefly was at four hundred and twenty dollars and sixty nine cents, which is nice. That's what we sold a hat for. <laughs> yeah. We could have bought one GameStop share at, at near its peak. Uh, it has yeah. gone down slightly, but it's holding. Uh, and, 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 and so here's what's happening. We need to explain before we go any further what what all this is. Because a lot of people are like, what is short selling? How, how does it work? What And why are they holding? And why aren't they selling their profits? And what the hell's going on? So here's how it works. It's a scam. The hedge funds don't own anything. When they short sell, what they do is they go to investors and they go, hey, look, we're about to crush this stock. We're going to make it worth nothing. But what we can do is split the profits. So instead of you getting to have a stock that's worth something based on market value, we're going to go and manipulate the market through our media contacts because we own Wall Street and the politicians and there's nothing you can do about it. But we'll make you some, but we can at least make some money. And here's what we're going to do we're going to borrow your stock for $0. And then we're going to sell it at whatever we can at a, at, a, at a reduced price from what its current accepted value is, thereby causing other people to do it. And then the difference between we're going to do an option so that we will profit the difference between what we sold it at with these call options and what people end up uh, selling it for and, and buying it at on the on the dip. And we'll split the profits with you. Now, for anybody, um, for anybody who's seen the movie Margin Call with uh, Kevin Spacey and a bunch of other people, basically. Imagine if I, yeah. So imagine if I went to your house. Everything I'm about to describe is very, very illegal. Imagine I went to your house. I said, hey, look, pal, I'm about to go on the media and say this is the worst neighborhood in town. And I run the bank and I'm very well known in this area. Everyone's going to believe me. I'm going to say this town sucks. I'm going to say that everything is wrong with this neighborhood. And, uh, you know, if I were anyone, I'm going to and I'm going to announce that I'm going to be selling uh, the homes that I own here. But I got some good news for you. Give me the title to your house. I'm going to sell it right now. And I'm going to announce that, you know, everything's going downhill. 
and then we're going to make a lot we're, we're going to make a lot more money uh, than everyone else is going to make when everything falls apart. You're probably thinking that sounds like some kind of weird racketeering grifter thing. Yeah, no, it's actually yes. And it's also very highly illegal if I were to do that and get caught doing it. But if it's the stock market, that's perfectly legal. Why? Because it's the stock market. Because it's Wall Street. You can't sell something that you don't own. Unless it's Wall Street. You can't coerce the owner of something else to let you sell it on their behalf and keep part of the money under the threat of making them lose everything unless it's Wall Street. Well, here's the here's the wrinkle in that. If a bunch of gamers who just got $600 checks and don't have any financial prospects or future and don't give a crap about anything, dump all their money into that stock and keep make the value shoot up, you just lost a fortune because you have to pay off those option calls. And the longer it goes on, the longer those those contracts go, and the more you got to keep paying until you lose everything. That's what they're doing. They're eating the rich. They went on Robinhood and on Reddit and, 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 and coordinated together, which is perfectly legal, because everyone kept saying, I'm not giving stock advice. I just like the stock. That's perfectly legal. If I say to you, hey, let's all buy this stock because I like it. Oh, and by the way, if we do it, it's going to crush. We're going to take all this money from this billionaire hedge fund that's destroying people's lives and businesses. And uh, we're going to make a fortune off of them. It's their money. We're going to take their money. Perfectly legal. But I'm not giving you any financial advice. I just like the stock. Yep. Perfectly legal. That's what they did. And even now, the game stock, stock has gone down somewhat. Uh, but it's still really high. And most of the buyers are refusing to sell because they know that as it goes on and on and on and on and on, eventually they will crush those hedge funds. Then they can sell. And yeah. when they crush the hedge funds and they sell, that the stock will probably tumble back to what it probably should be, which is probably, I don't know, 20s, 30s, 40s, whatever. I, I'm not a financial advisor. I don't know what GameStop stock is worth it's probably worth much more than 17 dollars, which is what the, the hedge funds were bringing it down to but i really don't know it, it ain't worth 400 bucks like game stock is a declining company what they're doing is crushing and they're doing it with amc and blackberry and nokia and a bunch of other companies and what they're doing is saying hey we figured out kind of shocked me bed bath and beyond express uh, they're, what they're doing is they're going for all the stocks of companies that are kind of just falling, like, for various reasons, they're losing market share slowly. They're still okay, or, uh, okay, they're still able to survive, but we don't know how, for how much longer. And so they're using so, these as, 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 as ones that the hedge funds have targeted to put out of business sooner and really to rob investors. So somebody, uh, the, 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 there it is, uh, somebody on YouTube, Real Fast Computer, uh, said sounds like you're proposing that wall street is regulated more mm -mm. no just the opposite it's regulations that are allowing wall street to do what's now happening which is now the sec is stepping in and threatening to limit trades uh they're threatening to change the rules that won't allow uh redditors to 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 say hey let's all buy something together now you can go if you want a hedge fund you can go on the media and say hey let's all sell everything together but if you want to say hey let's let's take their money from them by 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 beating them at their game and calling their bluff, 
then that's going to be that's probably going to be illegal. Uh, Wall Street Warren came out and said that she's going to uh, introduce some some new regulations and legislation. Uh, and then Robinhood, which is one of the most popular trading apps, actually stopped users from being able to uh, buy. They can sell, but they can't buy or trade uh, any of these other. Uh, st- any of the stocks, GameStop, AM- GameStop, AMC, BlackBerry, Bed Bath and Beyond, Nokia, and a, and a bunch of other ones. They they released a statement when they did this, saying we continuously monitor the markets and make changes where necessary. In light of recent volatility, stock going up. In light of recent volatility, we are restricting transactions for certain securities to position closing only, meaning you have to sell them to the hedge funds, including and they named them. Uh, the different uh, stocks. We also raised margin requirements for certain securities. Why? Turns out that the underwriter, the the brokerage firm that Robinhood uses, is owned by Citadel. Citadel is a major partial owner of Melvin Capital, the uh, the the um, the, uh, uh, the, hedge the, the, the the hedge fund that's being hurt the most by these moves. Okay. Right. Here's where it gets even better. Joe Biden's new Treasury Secretary, who used to be the chair of the Federal Reserve, is Janet Yellen. She recently got a million dollars to speak, to speak, not to do, to speak a few times for Citadel. To give a speech. Surely that money wouldn't be used for any other reason. Which, when asked about it, Jen Psaki said, we're going to circle back to that. But then she also said she is one of the foremost uh, financial minds in the country. And it makes sense that she would get paid for these appearances. 800 grand. Yeah, like 856,000. Now, it's interesting. You You said Jen Psaki, right? Saki, 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 Jen Saki. That name sounds familiar. Jen Saki. Huh. That sounds a lot like Jeffrey Saki, who's one of the main portfolio managers at Citadel. I wonder if that's her. Oh, it's her brother. Liz Warren was talking about, oh, by the way, if anyone's wondering, Bernie Sanders will absolutely screw you on this. She, he's taken the Wall Street Warren position, which is that, uh, well, the, the market is too much like a casino right now with these wild swings. That's why we need to step in and regulate. When you regulate the market, you make it so that only the big institutional players are able to effectively trade stocks. When you add taxes and things like that for individual shares, you make it so that only the people that already have millions and billions of dollars can afford to play in that space. You tell individual investors who right now could eat their lunch, you tell them, no, if you want to be in the market, you have to just do whatever the, the hedge funds and the big banks tell you to do. So no, I'm calling for the opposite of regulation. I'm calling for a completely deregulated capital trade market and securities trade market where 
everyday investors could band together and we talk about eating the rich. They could eat the rich and their lunch every single day on the market by working together and saying, hey, hey guys, let's all do this. But I'm not a financial advisor. I just like this stock. They could destroy the hedge funds and they could destroy the entire system of theft and graft and coercion that they've created, which is why this is all happening. Now, the good news is, again, we did get AOC and DJT JR. Is that, does he, does he go by that or is that? A... Oh, no, that's Donald, Donald Trump Jr. Okay. No, I know it is, but I didn't know if they yeah. go by that. He, so we got no, them. He's, he's Donald J. Trump Jr. on, I wasn't typing all of that up. Yeah. Now the, it, it turns out that the, the central heating unit in hell must have broken because they, they do agree. Uh, AOC tweeted, this is unacceptable. We now need to know more about Robin Hood's decision to block retail investors from purchasing stock while hedge funds are fully able to trade the stocks as they see fit. As a member of the financial services committee, I'd support a hearing if necessary. Now, unfortunately, after that, she wrote and tax the rich. Right. Taxes are passed on to consumers. Taxes make this much worse. If you put taxes on capital trade, it will ensure that the hedge funds are the only ones that are doing it. But again, uh, Donald Trump Jr. also tweeted, it took less than a day for big tech, big government, and the corporate media to spring into action and begin colluding to protect their hedge fund buddies on Wall Street. This is what a rigged system looks like, folks. Hashtag a bunch of hashtags. I'm not reading all those. Um, and... Uh, uh, Dave Portnoy, uh, who's the head of uh, Bar Barstool Sports, said, somebody is going to have to explain to me in what world Robin Hood uh, and others literally trying to force a crash by closing the open market is fair. They should all be in jail. Uh, and of course, I uh, started a, uh, well, it wasn't really a petition, but I started a fake petition uh, to change the name of Robin Hood to either uh, Sheriff of Nottingham or Sir Hiss. Now, uh, Ted Cruz did tweet his support of AOC's tweet. Something that's probably never happened before. Also, yeah. Um, and he responded with a, I agree with this or this, uh, I don't know, pointing down when he retweeted it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was uh, like, yeah, this or whatever, yeah. Right. And uh, AOC responded with, I'm happy to work with Republicans on this issue where there's common ground, but you almost had me murdered three weeks ago so you can sit this one out apparently she thinks that she's jfk and ted cruz is his father uh, <laughs> don't think ted cruz was trying to murder you there aoc yeah yeah now uh robin hood is now kind of changing their tune a little bit uh and they're saying that they did so they uh the the Owner of Robinhood, Vlad Tenev, the, C or the CEO of Robinhood, Vlad Tenev, uh, said that in an interview with Elon Musk, uh, he said that they shut it down to comply with SEC standards and they got a call at 3.30 telling them to halt trades on those particular stocks. If that's true, then this isn't even then this has less to do with Citadel and more to do with uh, with the government. But here's the problem with this. We just detailed See, how so my, so intertwined they are. Why wouldn't they say that at the beginning? Why would you say that after you get the one star reviews after people have been leaving? Why are you saying that now? 
I don't believe it. That was Here, not your here's original. how. Here's how we'll know if that's true or not. Vlad is supposed to be testifying uh, on February 18th uh, in front of the House Financial Services Committee. If he says that then, then it's probably true. If he doesn't find time to mention that, then it is 100% false. Because he's going to be staring down AOC, who likes to position herself as a populist hero, even though she's not. Uh, she's as much of a toady as, uh, as the rest of them. She's just uh, millennial flavored. Um, and... She's going to straight up say, why did you do that? If he gives any answer, if he starts talking about, well, you know, market liquidity and uh, the rally and, well, you know, go to, go to market stability. If he does any of that and he doesn't say because you told me to or the SEC told me to, then that's a lie. Yep. Because he's not going to perjure himself uh, more than likely. Not this publicly. This is... Uh, this is a perfect example. We do not have a free market. We have a monopoly game where most of the players uh, have to play by the rules of the game, and a few of the players get to go to the get to go to the bank and say, "Yeah, give me a billion dollars of monopoly money for this round," and then they get to go to some of those smaller players and say, "Everyone here, give me a hundred bucks, or I'm going to tank your, uh, your 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 the values of your your properties that you're holding," and they get to do all of that. And if somehow those players get to band together and turn it back on them, they make it illegal. They put regulations in place that make it that they can't even play anymore. Right. They still got to give their money to it, but they can't actually play or participate anymore. This is just, they tell, especially young people, this was mostly young people. They tell young people, well, you know, uh, stop eating so much avocado toast and invest your money in the stock market. You know, all your money that you've got, uh, all, all this money that you're sitting on and, uh, and, and invest it in the stock market. So the kids said, all right. I'm going to put a couple hundred bucks in the stock market on this and take all the hedge funds money. And all of a sudden it's like, well, not like that. I hope that this works. I hope that they crush Melvin capital. And this isn't about Melvin capital. I hope that they crush the hedgies and I hope that they get a ton of money out of it. I hope did that they see, get really, really wealthy. Did you see how quickly um, news media was going to uh, racism for this? Oh, God. I actually tweeted a, a prediction here. I'm going to pull that up. I'll, I'll read it. I don't have to. I don't, uh, I don't remember who it was. It. If I had to guess CNN, but I, I don't remember who it was. There, there were a few that put out some stuff trying to tie it to the Capitol Hill riots and all this nonsense. Chris well, Saliza was one of them. Somebody said it's very odd that somebody tries to destroy a Jewish-owned hedge fund uh, by doing this game, by buying a bunch of GameStop uh, stock. Uh, on National Holocaust Remembrance Day, and I was like, "Because yeah. wow, that's like, yeah, you you are you that's are drawing a line. It's not really a straight one, but you're you're getting it there." Yeah. Where is this thing? I made a prediction, and I said that I said prediction. Major media will begin dropping articles linking Wall Street bets to white supremacy and domestic terrorism. Apps will halt trading so that Wall Street bets picks can plummet, and the hedge funds can steal their money back. New regulations will be put in place so this never happens. I wish this was wrong. Literally, all of this happened within like forty-eight hours. In fact, it turned out that the uh, the uh, apps halting trading had happened a matter of a couple hours before I had tweeted this. I tweeted it in the morning. I didn't realize they had literally done it overnight. Um, 
another another thing that you're going to hear a lot of because you have to get past the narrative messaging right so all of a sudden you'll start hearing the same terms over and over again like we were talking about domestic extremism the one thing we're hearing right now is the markets are like a casino right now these wild swings like a casino this is the opposite of a casino this is where a a a real casino is a market where individual investors slowly and steadily lose their money to the house that's a casino that's what the market usually is. What we have right now is a situation where somehow those individual investors come in, game the system, and get their money back. Now it's a problem. Now, interestingly, it's not illegal. I Actually, I think it is in Vegas, but in most other places, it's not illegal to game gambling. If you can figure out a way to game gambling, good for you. Right now, the casinos will try to kick you out, but you're not breaking any laws. But if you do something similar in the stock market, now unless you're the hedge fund, then that's perfectly legal. Right. It's just this is, and this will never end until we kick Republicans and Democrats out of office, get the federal government out of this stuff, open the markets, give people their power back. No one, we are, this is not about left versus right or Republican versus Democrat or white versus black or anything. This is about the 99.99% of Americans who have little to no institutional power in this country and who are paying almost all of the bills and who own relatively little compared to the 0.001% of Americans. We're talking maybe, I don't know, it's probably even less than that. What's it, 32, 300 something? 32. Trying to do the math here. Uh, Yeah, we're talking a few thousand people that own well over half of everything or close to half of everything, but more importantly, control virtually all of the actual institutional power in this country and really around the world. And until we topple the figurehead politicians that they put in place, the con artists they put in place, and dismantled their system of self-serving thieving of the rest of us. It's never going to end. It's just going to keep getting worse. But we can fix this by taking our power back and dismantling everything they built. And then taking our freedom back and taking our money back. Uh, and this is just somebody, another example of that. Somebody in the Facebook comments um, was pushing convention of the states. This is a terrible idea. So I understand. I used to be a supporter of convention of states. Uh, and I get the the idea, well, we the people are going to take the power back. This isn't how to do it. And here's why. If you, if you look at history, every convention of the states, going back to the first one, was really bad for the American people. The first convention of states was the Constitutional Convention where they replaced the Articles of Confederation, which was a far superior system whereby government had very little power at all and could not tax you at all and had to actually have 100% unanimous approval of the Constitutional uh, Convention or the, 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 the oh gosh, what uh, uh, Continental Congress uh, had to get together. I think that's what it was called, right? And they had to actually... Uh, 100% approval to change the laws. So then the first time that they had a chance to, the Federalists got together, 
with Alexander Hamilton and illegally here's 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 a gold pill for everyone hey kids did you know that the creation and ratification of the constitution was an act of treason i'm not talking about treason against the crown that already happened with the uh, declaration of independence and the, the the revolutionary war and the and the replacement of the uh, uh colonial U- uk government with the american uh, uh, Articles of Confederation government. I'm talking about treason against the United States of America. And it's not the with first the creation time he treason. No, 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 no. This was the second treason. This time against his own country that he just helped create. Well, no. This was the second time against his own country. Who, who, who are we talking about? Hamilton. Yeah. Oh, I thought we were talking about uh, George Washington, but yes. Right. Yeah. Hamilton, yes. this was the second time for him because while he was the uh, Secretary of Treasury, he went to England without permission from Washington and negotiated a uh, treaty without Secretary of State or uh, the president's permission. And yes. doing so was an act of treason. Yeah. So then he did it again by usurping the government illegally and replacing it with the Constitution. And the Constitution is a far worse document. It gave government the power to tax. It gave government the power to create laws without uh, any kind of unanimous approval uh, and to appease the anti-federalists and basically keep the anti-federalists from rounding them all up and executing them for treason. They added the Bill of Rights, and we've seen what that's good that's done us. Oh, it also added the habeas corpus clause, which in a really impressive lawyerly weasel wording way makes it sound like the government can't uh, uh, violate our right to due process and hold us indefinitely. But then it gives a bunch of reasons why they can and ends by saying, or any conditions that may require it. In other words, if the government wants to hold you, if they decide they look at the situation and say that they have to hold you forever without trial and not even giving a reason or letting you talk to a lawyer or letting you talk to anyone, or even telling you anyone they have you, they can do that legally by the habeas corpus clause. Now it makes sense why the Supreme Court didn't do anything about the people in Gitmo or American citizens being taken to foreign countries to be waterboarded or any of that stuff. It's perfectly legal and constitutional. That might be too much for tonight. Uh, all that to that say two, that yeah, three hours. that's too much for tonight. We, we could definitely go down a, a Lysander Spooner path tonight, but I think we won't. What instead I will do is tell you this. What the, what the Convention of States would do would be to authorize your state legislatures to get together and rewrite the Constitution. Because if the problem is that politicians haven't been obeying the constitutional limitations then surely we can trust those same politicians to rewrite the whole thing from scratch. Now, you're probably already saying, no, Spike, that's not true. Uh, they, we can actually limit what they're able to change about the Constitution. Yeah, you can say that. But that doesn't mean they have and to then do once, it once it gets there. Doesn't mean they have to do it. They can, they can do it under whatever pretext they want. When they get together, they can completely, once that trigger has been pulled and that particular Pandora's box has been open, they yep. can, because people are telling me to keep going, not tonight. Uh, once those people get together, uh, they can, <laughs> once those people get together, <laughs> they can change the constitution from stem to stern. And what do you want to bet that the people that have been enforcing lockdowns all year, 
are going to end up with a document that's even worse than the one we're working with right now. 100%. It's the, the odds of it not going that way are beyond infinitesimal. Imagine coming off of your, your most recent committee meeting where you sign off on the, the most recent increase of police power and the most recent increase in the, the minimum number of, of your, city, your residents that need to be in jail to, uh, you know, to keep your private prison and private, uh, uh, private uh, slave labor contracts going with Unicor and private prison companies. And you're working with the police unions to implement new laws and protections against police so that they don't have to face accountability for police brutality and, uh, you know, new new restrictions on your ability to go outside and live your life and and new powers given to the governor to decide whether or not you're essential. But then they're going to all get together on a national convention and limit themselves. And I don't know if this is true, but Jimmy Lee is pretty accurate in what he states. And he said in the comments, Jeb Bush is on the committee of convention of the states. And I believe it. I, yeah, I believe it. I believe it. Um, I just wanted to preface. I didn't want to say it uh, with 100%. Um, but is that the person that you want negotiating for you? Jeb, Do you want clap. Jeb exclamation point? Please clap. Please change the Constitution. Please. Please do it. Please. Please change the Constitution. Justico Mitchell, I'm not sure if that's how you say it right. Justico, Justico, let Wall Street bets rewrite the Constitution. You know what? I If I had to choose between Wall Street bets and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and your state legislator, I live in South Carolina, which supposedly is a very pro-Constitution state with pro-Constitution. We can't even get carry of firearms without a license. We haven't had a balanced budget in God knows how long. You can go to jail effectively for the rest of your life on a weed possession charge. Like I don't want I don't want to hear crap about, you know, I, I and I hate to say it, and I, I'm not trying to be rude because I was one of these people until a few years ago when I was like, we need to rewrite and people are like, think that through. I'm like, oh, oh God. No. Oh God, no. You know, there's a lot of people in here asking us to keep keep going with the uh, with the, the the whole thing about the Constitution. The, the, the bottom line is we maybe that's something <laughs> that, we, that we, can we can do is like a big special, a big no treason special, a big no treason that people would be able to watch for five bucks a month. Um. <laughs> I yeah. Uh. Uh, Rupert says, what source can I use to verify this? Articles of Confederation versus Constitution. Google Articles of Confederation. And, 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 and like read it. Um, it's, it's, uh, unlike the constitution, not a very large, long document. And it just pretty much, it said, uh, government had no power to, uh, to conscript for an army. You had, they had to uh, voluntarily draw up military. Don't forget your government right now, this constitutional Republic can make you join the military anytime they want to. That's why they force you into selective service. Are they going to? No, because you have no business being on the military and they know that, but they can, and they can conscript you for any other service that they want. Will they do that? They need to. Absolutely. Uh, things like the national defense reauthorization, all this, not, none of that existed under uh under the articles of confederation it needed 100 percent approval for changes so if there's even one thomas massey or justin amash 
or even an Ilhan Omar, depending on the subject, if there's even one in there going, yeah, screw you. We're not doing that. It isn't happening. There was no executive. It was decided by the legislature, which created there was no ability to centralize power into an executive. It was really disabusing people of the idea of this being there being this head, this 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 person. There was a president of the uh, of the of the convention that, you know, helped keep things in order for the actual the, the Congress. Uh, but they and I think they did technically act as head of state, uh, but they weren't a they weren't a ruler like we have now. Uh, the the Constitution created effectively a ruler. Um, what else couldn't they do? Uh, they had to ask the states for money. You want to talk about giving power back to the states? They had to ask the states for money. Yeah. Also, uh, a lot of people say, yeah, but during the Articles of Confederation, there was slavery. For how much longer? What do you think kept slavery going? Why do you think that some of the biggest voices for continuing for switching to the Constitution were on the slaveholding side? Because they wanted to use the power of the federal government to enforce, for example, the what they ended up creating with the Fugitive Slave Act, which made it illegal for someone to flee their owner, even if they their owner, even if they their captor, even if they ended up in a state where it was where it was illegal to own someone. Under the Articles of Confederation, that would not have happened. Under the Articles of Confederation, there could not have been any gun laws passed that uh, that had uh, that could, that could prohibit newly freed slaves from owning firearms. There would have been no restrictions put in place to uh, to make requirements for the types of metals used for firearms, which drastically drove up the price of firearms, which made it so that most poor people couldn't afford their own firearm. That's something we don't talk about a lot. None of this stuff could have happened. The marginalized in this country would have been able to steadily and easily completely usurp the power of those who really held a very tenuous hold on power. And it was already starting with the veterans refusing to pay off the war debts of the Continental Congress. And that's what forced... That's what forced the uh, uh, Hamilton and, and Washington and the rest of them into going in and uh, starting the Madison and the rest of them into going in and replacing it with the Constitution. I've already gone much further than I shouldn't have uh, than I should have because it's already real late. But yeah, no, no, no. Our, that, the, 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 our, and, and ironically, the Articles of Confederation is the AOC. So when people go, do you like AOC? I go, I sure do. I love I can't say it because then it seems like I'm objectifying her. But I say I love the AOC. So, yeah. So this was a fun show. This was a fun show. What are we at? Three hours? Yeah. <laughs> we may need to do. We may have to figure out how to. Hey, folks, thanks so uh, so much for tuning in tonight to this three hour episode muddy waters of free freedom yep uh this was actually very fun so next next week i will be or next week tomorrow uh on wednesday at 8 p.m eastern um i will be on my fellow americans on my show and i will be interviewing chris roofer who is a libertarian businessman who has created this incredible business model that gives 
tremendous amount of power to the individual employees instead of having a manager-based system, which for anyone who under, I, I'm already saying too much, but for anyone who understands how business uh, create growth and business management works, the bigger a company gets, the more disproportionately high its managerial class gets because the idea is that there has to be more intercommunication between managers and, and you certainly can't let the workers make their own decisions. And uh, Chris turned that on its head and said, no, yeah, yeah, I can. They know what's going on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust them. I'm going to empower them. And so he has them as basically as partners uh, in the company. It's, it's an incredible, incredible thing. Everyone makes more money. Uh, there's fewer employees because they don't have this massive managerial class. And they're able to, to adapt to the market uh, faster as a result. Uh, and it's applying libertarian principles of decentralization and trusting individuals to be empowered to make their own choices. It's, I cannot wait to do this show. I think it's the coolest thing. Um, and then... Uh, we, uh, then we're, no, I'm just haven't eaten in a while. So I'm on like a weird key. like, it's, I think I'm in ketosis. ketosis. Mm. Okay. My body is burning. It's burning. My, my organs are burning and, and I'm getting energy from it. And then tune in next week. Well, on Monday, tune in for another episode of culture of winning. Where's the graphic? I don't have the graphic. Where the hell is the graphic? I don't have the graphic. But tune in for it anyway. And then tune in right back here next week. Same muddy place, same muddy time. Hopefully not for three hours. For another amazing episode. Probably will be. Another amazing episode of the, muddy, <laughs> of the Muddy Waters of Freedom. Where Matt Wright and I will parse through the week's events like the 2020 Wonder Boys that we are. Matt, if someone were looking for us on the internet, is that even possible? And if so, how? You know, it would be possible. All you would have to do is go to anchor.fm slash muddiedwaters where you could leave us messages that we will play live on the air. Live air. Live on the air. We are getting to the point where we may have to play less of the messages on the air. Definitely. Problem. We're going to have to limit you to about two two apiece. (laughs) Two two apiece, people. Please, one or two, because. But we, you can play us messages, or you can leave us donations, and if you leave us donations, you will be more likely to have more of your messages played on the air. Because that's how capitalism works. This is how we get to do this. Do you like freedom? If you like freedom, you should listen to us. Listen to the show. Look at the I got D like is this doing anything for you? I don't know how ASMR works. I don't either. I'm not sure if our microphones are actually good enough for it. Is this can you hear this? Like is this a yes, I can Oh okay. I can't really hear what happens happening with my you. ears. Okay, well I mean, this well, I do, I mean I just want to hurt your ears. I'm sorry. Or you can find this in every other episode at muddiedwatersmedia.com. A muddiedwatersmedia.com. This mic is very sensitive. Hi. This yeah. mic. See, what I do is when I'm on like big, I, I bury it and I, that way you don't see it. And I'm just like, hey, I'm here. I'm black. But then like when I do this show, I like, oh God, it came off the thing. So folks. <laughs> I didn't know it could do that. Folks. Thanks so much for tuning in and we will see you tomorrow.
And then next week in the whole thing, we were saying, thanks again for tuning in. And where we're going, we don't need roads.